I'm Bronco Tryhard, and I'm the host of this podcast. That's right. And my name is Patrick, and I'm your guest. And Bronco Tryhard is too busy to introduce this episode. So as your guest, I would like to introduce myself. My name is Patrick. I'm the host of the Bikes for Death podcast. Recently on Instagram, I hit 10,000 followers, which is kind of cool. It's a lot of people, going to be honest. And um, I've seen some other people do Ask Me Anythings. And I've always tried to stay as much behind the scenes as I can for a podcast host. But I decided to open up the questions to you and see what you want to know. And uh, Bronco Tryhard was willing and gracious enough to ask me the questions so I didn't have to just sit in my house and answer questions to myself. Hopefully today's episode is a mix of fun and entertainment and information. And uh, if you don't like it, then that's okay. And we'll be back to your normally scheduled bike packing podcast next week. But we did cover a lot of different topics, um, some serious, some silly, and it kind of ran the gamut. But you asked the questions. I did my best to answer them. And Bronco Tryhard did an excellent job hosting today's episode. So if you want to hear for more from us, just do tune into today's episode. But before we get to it, let's take a moment to appreciate everybody who made today's episode possible, starting with our newest patron, Harry Mahler. Harry, thank you. You are this week's newest and only patron. You are carrying this podcast on your back this week for patrons. So thank you, Harry, for stepping up. And if you would like to join him and find out how you can support this podcast, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash bikes or death and read all about it. And today's episode is also brought to us by my friends over at Ruby Coffee. And I have Jesse here to tell us about you know, Jesse, what I really wanted to talk to, talk about today was we know that Ruby Coffee makes great coffee. We've talked about that. But what makes Ruby a great company outside of the coffee? Yeah, I you know, I think the the sort of cliched response that people always give to these these questions is that what makes us special is the people at Ruby, but I think it really is true. Our team is is really dedicated to a couple of things. Um, our production team is really excited about getting coffees packed and shipped in an efficient and correct manner every day. Our customer support team is always excited to answer questions. Uh, I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that we are a, a small company and we're a very small group of people, and we're all really excited about what we're doing. So. If you try to send a customer support question to a bigger company, sometimes it takes a, a bit of time for a response. Or if you order something online, maybe it takes a couple days to get going. One of the things we love is that if you order coffee from us, it's getting shipped out within a day or two, depending on you know if you order on the weekend or not. Um, but if you send us a customer support question, we're answering it the same day. Uh, we're all just really passionate to share what we love about coffee with our customers. You know, we get all sorts of questions. Sometimes it's as simple as, hey, do you know when this coffee is going to roast and ship? Or, you know, hey, I'm, I'm wondering which, which blend is the best one for me. And those are pretty easy. But we do a lot of troubleshooting, too. If somebody says, hey, I, I've, I loved your coffee when I got it at this uh, coffee shop, but I can't get it to taste the same at home. 
you know, we love trying to troubleshoot, you know, all your brewing methods at home, or maybe there's something with uh, uh, your water quality or the grind size that you're using. Those are all really, really fun because it allows us to kind of like a, 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 not just troubleshoot, but it's almost like a mystery that we get to solve with the person who's asking. Jesse, thank you so much for coming on today's episode and talking to us about Ruby. Now, listeners, if this sounds like the kind of company that you would like to support and maybe try their co coffee, head over to rubycoffeeroasters.com. And when you check out, use the promo code BIKESORDEATH, all one word, for 15% off your first order or 20% off your first order of a subscription. Today's episode is also brought to us by Kuat, and I have my friend Tom Lampy here to talk to us about some of the other racks available from Kuat. Tom, we've been talking a lot about the Piston Pro X, which is really exciting. I'm personally excited to see that new rack, but the truth is you'll have a lot of other bike racks, and so I thought we could spend today um, highlighting some of maybe your best sellers or ones that you want people to know about. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Piston Pro X is pretty exciting, so... We, we have talked a lot about that, but I, I don't want to forget about our, our great line of bike racks. I mean, we've, we've been around for a bit and we have developed this, you know, really, I think, impressive range of bike racks, uh, you know, for price point and features and, and everything. So I'm, I'm happy to talk about some of those. Do you all have a bestseller? Sure. So the, the NV 2.0 is like our, it's our flagship rack. It's the one that, you know, everybody I think knows the best. Um, uh, we, we sell the most of these and the NV is a, is a pretty diverse rack. It holds bikes from, you know, a, like a road bike, gravel, all the way up to kind of a, you know, a 60 pound e-bike. So it's, it's pretty diverse and, and does a lot. It's also expandable. So it's one of our racks in the line that, you know, can carry two bikes and then up to four. So it has a, has a lot of range. Even from that, we also have a rack called our Sherpa 2.0, which has been around just about as long as the Envy has, but it's a neat rack because it only weighs like 32 pounds. It's one of the lightest racks in its class. It only has a two bike uh, capacity, so it's not expandable like our Envy is, but it's a beautiful, sleek, lightweight rack for anyone who wants, you know, to carry two bikes and would like that ease of, you know, removal and installation, you know, if they plan on doing that over and over again. Our price point rack, so here going kind of down the line from the Sherpa, we have a line called the Transfer V2, and this is kind of like our price point rack. Now, it, it's not void of any features. You know, it still has a lot going for it, even in that price point range. And one of the racks in that category, there's the Transfer V2 in our two-bike, two-inch model specifically is RV compatible, which is a, it's a neat feature for hitch-mounted bike racks. Most of them are not RV compatible. So this one fits that. And it's also uh, a great price at like, uh, like 350 bucks. You know, the rack I have is the NV 2.0 base. Yeah. So our NV family uh, includes that NV 2.0 base. So the, the big difference between those two racks, our NV has an integrated work stand in the rack. So you can fix your bike really anywhere, you know, hang it up for a, you know, lube the chain real quick or fix a tire, whatever you like. Now the base is 
the Envy rack, but minus that workstand. So if you want the Envy features like the, you know, the carrying capacity and the expandability, but you don't think you'll use that workstand feature, the base is a great alternative. You know, it drops the price point a little bit, makes it a little more affordable. Yeah, man, I've been I've been super happy with mine. I think I've had it for I was thinking before we hopped on. I think I'm going on about three three and a half years with it, hey. and uh, we all love bikes. We don't want anything to happen to our bikes. And for me, Kuat has been an excellent rack. So yeah, I appreciate you coming on and and sharing uh, some of the other options and features that y'all have available over there. And if people want to learn more about Kuat, where can they go, Tom? Well, uh, a good resource for information would be our website, uh, kuat.com. Um, our customer service is also a good resource for questions. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm a little biased, but I think we have the you know best customer service in the business. So if you need anything, you know, don't be afraid to give us a shout. Awesome, dude. Well, thanks again. Oh, thanks for having me. Okay, okay, okay. We have paid our bills and we are ready to get to today's episode. Um, one quick note that um, this episode starts out a little... Uh, we, we're, we just dive right in. Uh, essentially, Matt and I were talking, we hit record, and um, I have a tendency of doing this where I'm not very good at starting podcasts. I just start talking and hit record, and we don't really always have a good start point. And so um, Ben, our editor, has to uh, pick a good space to just kind of jump in, and, and and that's what you hear. And and what I'm talking about here in the very beginning is an ep- uh, episode that came out a few episodes ago that uh, raised some controversy on the internet. I got a lot of messages, a lot of feedback, and um, I, I took some time to uh, reflect on on all that, on your feedback, on the episode, on my thoughts. And uh, yeah, we are going to address that right off the bat. And then we're going to get to your questions. So without further ado, let's have Miles Arbor kick it off with the Bikes for Death theme song. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. Just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your bars, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You left that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. I'm disappointed in myself, I think, is is the overall feeling. You know, the people that know me know that I, I mean, I make mistakes on the podcast a lot. You know, I, I say things that I don't agree with. Sometimes, you know, I listen back to an edit and I'm just like, what? <laughs> you know, and I, I'm shocked <laughs> at what comes out of my mouth sometimes. And I'm disappointed in myself and I cringe at myself and um, I have conversations with my friends. You're one of them that I'll call from time to time and walk through problems and and talk through things. Uh, Dr. Seth Wood was one and my buddy Ryan hears a lot of stuff. But, you know, th- th- this is a process and a journey that I'm on. And, I, and one thing I've really tried to do from the very, very, very beginning was just be myself. And it was important to me to be an example of being a human and and not editing myself 
to be a perfect person because a perfect person isn't reality. And I, and I think yeah. people are sick and tired of edited, perfect, you know, perfectly, de you know, delivered and curated content to make you like engaged and all this stuff. I'm like, fuck all that, you know? And, um, <laughs> I mean, sir, I agree. you know, I agree. No, I agree. yeah, I know, I know, I know you agree. And I, um, <laughs> But this is just an opportunity for me, I think, again, to just acknowledge that I misrepresented myself. And uh, there's a lot of reasons why I think that 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 happened. And, may, and we can get into those if you want to. But essentially, I, I misrepresented myself badly. It's the most egregious uh, mistake that I've personally made on the podcast since since it started. And I appreciate some of the feedback I got. Some of the feedback I got was a little a little aggressive. And I, I understand that's just the, the internet. But I really am a person and and those things they they affect me. You know, it's 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 difficult to be wrong, you know, and um so you know Moral of the story for me is that um, again, I I take these things to heart and I take them as an opportunity to improve. And I think you know that's what I mean. We can zoom out and apply that to anything, whether we're talking about failures in bikepacking or your endurance or whatever in life. We we fail, and that is just life, you know. But it's it's learning from those things, and I'm okay you know, kind of putting myself out there as an example to some extent of, yeah, I fuck up. Yes, I say things that are incorrect or I don't mean, and I, I could take it down and I could censor and I could do all these things, but I've, I've made a commitment not to, to just be like, okay, I messed up and I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to, that's going to really motivate this whole feeling. You know, these all, I called you the other day because I'm, you know, it's weighing on me. Right. And, um, yeah. I, that, that's not going to go away. That's a, that, that was a learning experience that, um, that ultimately I'm grateful for, you know, I mean, I think until then it's just words, but, uh, you know, um, yeah, I messed up and sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think it is sometimes that simple though. Like I messed up and I'm human and you know, and but people coming at you aggressively, that doesn't solve the problem or lead to any sort of resolution that's helpful for anybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? When I heard those comments and I'm like, well, my first thought was, I don't know if that's where Patrick really is on this. You know what I mean? Like, I'll just ask him. I won't accuse him of doing something. I'll just ask him and say, hey, well, how do you really feel about that? Yeah. And then we can start a dialogue like that. A whole idea, of, which you said a lot on the podcast. I just want to have a, a long form discussion about people and meet them where they are and see what's going on and, and figure it out. And you can't do that when you're just like right off the bat. Hey, hey, you're an asshole for what you said. And then, <laughs> no, you, know, you can't. And I don't go into a conversation really looking for controversy. I'm not a controversial person by nature, you know, and um we don't have to talk about this right now. We can work into it if you want. No, am no, I the no. Host? I, Do I? Am I? Am I the host? Are you going to say? <laughs> and as always, I'm your host, Patrick. Or is it going to be as never before? I'm the host, Bronco Tryhard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, if I was the host, I would ask you about this new Instagram switch in your name, but I'm not, so I'll leave that no, up to don't. you. But just but, accept uh, that my name is Bronco Tryhard and just go with it. 
All right, Bronco. Do I have to say the whole <laughs> thing or? I'd prefer, but we don't have to. For, for this, Bronco try for this hard. Weekend. Here, yeah. Here's where I'm at. Um, I want to address that thing that, you know, whatever first, and then we could do whatever you want to do because it, it has been eating at me. It's driving, you know, yeah. it's like, I think about it a lot. And so ultimately I can only be accountable for the way that, you know, I, I hold myself and I represent myself and the things that I say and I do. And yeah, I don't, I mean, I kind of said most of the stuff that I wanted to say, but I, recently Whoopi Goldberg has been, you know, made the news because she said something completely stupid, you know? And I, and like, I'm not even sure if she really believes that. Like, I wonder if we could like have a conversation with her, if she misrepresented her own, because it's so wrong. It's like, yeah, I, I don't know. It's either she's really dumb or, you know, whatever. But the point is, is like, you know, Whoopi um, is a, is an actor, actress, you know, she's been on TV. She's been in movies. She is a professional and she just fucked up well into her season career and said something, you know, crazy. And I'm just like a regular guy that picked up a microphone, started to talk to people about bikes and never, never expected any of this. I never, yeah, I just, you know, it kind of, it, it's grown a lot. I'm not like a, a professional speaker. I'm not a professional conversationalist. I'm not a trained anything in this regard. And, you know, I'm human. I make mistakes. And that was certainly one of them. More than anything, I wish I could have just gone back and, um, yeah, had a do-over. Um, because I don't think it's fair to have a conversation without the other party. Because maybe, you know, maybe we're both kind of off. I don't, I don't know, you know. Um, yeah. Was there something like that stuck out that you said that like especially sticks with you as, hey, that's not how I feel. That's not how I want to represent myself. That's not what I want people to. Was there like, I listened to the episode, but I don't remember, you know, like a quote of what. I don't either. And that's, you know, and that speaks to one of the problems that I would like to address, which is I'm too busy. But before we get to that, you know, it, it was more that, um, I didn't really understand exactly what he was talking about because the way he framed it, I feel like he kind of downplayed it and he's like, oh yeah, way down the list. It's like hashtag well people. And I'm like, okay, you know, what is that? I, I don't really know, but um, it's, I, I didn't, I, I can't, I don't remember exactly where I was at in that day. But like when I hopped on that episode with him, I didn't even know his name. You know, someone sent me an email and they were like, I hope you would vet your you know, people better than that and like, no, and da, 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 and be more prepared. And, and, and that's where like, I agree. And I think that's part of where I started to, um, have some of my own like concerns and doubts as to like, what am I actually doing here with bikes or death? Because I think, you know, a lot of times I got a kid in the next room and they're, you know, y'all don't hear it because it gets edited out, but a kid pops in halfway through, you know, we're just in the middle of something and then we pick back up and then, you know, it, it throws things off. And, I, you know, I don't want to come off like I'm coming up with excuses, but there's, there's a lot going on with one. I'm just so insanely busy. I'm pulled in so many directions. I, I'm just like hanging on by a thread, you know what I'm saying? And like, and, and that's not good and that's not sustainable. And, and I think this was an example of me being spread too thin on one layer. You know, I don't want to make mistakes, like, you know, say, Oh, make excuses. But 
I mean, I, that's just the reality of the situation is I think I've come to terms with the fact that I am in a unhealthy relationship with bikes or death, you know, and, um, and that's okay, but I need to figure out how to make it a healthier relationship because I should go into episodes a little bit more prepared and, you know, not be so stressed out and so frazzled and, and other things that, you know, that, that maybe I say things that I don't mean, maybe, you know, maybe I'm just so stressed out that I'm, I'm just, you know, my brain's like a, a mess and it is, you know? Um, yeah. What else? <laughs> I got a, no, that's, I mean, that's reasonable. I think a lot of people can relate to that. The feeling spread thin and that making it more difficult. It's easy when you look from the outside to see you as bikes or death and think, well, that's what this guy's doing all the time. Yeah, You know what I mean? And they don't see you doing your regular job or taking care of two kids or, you know, whatever else you have to do, like laundry and whatever the rest of human humans do to just get through the day. You know what I mean? They don't see that. So they just ignore it and think you're just out there every day doing bikes or death. Yeah, I get that. And it's a weird thing because I've tried hard not to make this about me. And I mean, partly I think that I, I mean, I'm on a journey myself. I know, uh, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't think I'm the guy to be like up here telling people how to live their lives per se. You know, I think that, you know, cycling in the outdoors is, has been like one of the greatest values in my life personally. But outside of that, you know, I mean, I'm twice divorced and a high school dropout and went to jail six times and, you know, you was in a cult for a long time. And, you know, and even, it, you know, oddly enough, you know, I was thinking about it and, and, you know, being in a cult, you're used to just being a yes person. And I mean, to take this one step further, I mean, outside of that conversation that happened, you know, my buddy Ryan and I, we, we talk about this specifically about, you know, it's something that I work on of, of not just agreeing all the time, you know, because I am a very agreeable and like get along guy kind of. And I think it might just come from being raised so strict and where you just like believe God and believe all these people in your lives without question. You just nod your head and go along. And I mean, I've did that for 30 plus years of my life. And I think that, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm evolving, you know, a lot, you know, and I'm, um, not even close to a finished, uh, where I would like to be, you know? And so that's part of why I don't hopefully like sit up and like, you know, preach and say, Oh, you should do this and you should do that. And you should do that. Because I, on many levels, I'm, I'm looking to like learn from other people and like, how can, you know, how can I like learn to, you know, I don't know anything. I'm open to learn anything from anyone. So, yeah. I don't know if you can address like specifically because what I, I don't know what the episode left people thinking. You know what I mean? That's what I'm not sure of. I knew sort of who you were for the people out there who are thinking, well, this is what Patrick said. It, may, it made me believe whatever it is they believe, you know, that you're fat phobic or I don't know what they're thinking. You know what yeah. I mean? That you think it's okay to make fun of somebody based on their appearance. What, what do you say like directly to that? Essentially, he says something along the lines and, and I don't know exactly what people are, but this is what this is what bothered me the most. And hopefully I think maybe we're on the same page. He said something along the lines of people got all upset because I, I use this hashtag whale people um, and 
you know, I was just being funny and, and you know, there's a bunch of other hashtags and blah, 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 you know, all this kind of stuff. And he's like, I, I reject that people can't express their opinions, something along those lines. And I picked it up and I'm like, me too. You know, we can't just, uh, we, we can, but I don't like to just, you know, uh, quickly make a rash judgment, you know, on something like super quick. And I think, I, I think that's kind of the spin I was taking with it was like, yeah, we can't, um, you know, just see something online and just like attack somebody or, or whatever. But I, I really came across as supporting his position, which I don't think I fully understood exactly what he was even talking about. Because again, I went into the stupid thing. I didn't read any of his fucking hashtags. I've never heard of the hashtag whale people before. I, 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 I did it. I Googled it. It's just people who like whales. I mean, you know, but <laughs> I mean, really there's no other, there's not a single fat person. So I, I, I don't know, but, but the, the weird thing was, is I think he went on to like, I think he was kind of defending, you know, his right to say that. And, and I think, you know, that's where I would, I would have liked to push back because earlier in the conversation, he and I were talking about the exact same thing. What I mentioned earlier about, you know, her judging y'all because of, you know, the way you look and then acting out and then vice versa. And we're both like on the same wavelength that, that's not okay, you know, and, yeah. and we need to get past that. And so I think if we could have just talked about it and said, well, let's look at this from a different lens, you know, I think, you know, I think the conversation could have gone a different way. And that, and that's, again, that's where I feel like to, to bring it full circle and hopefully answer your question is that exact segment right there is a part where I wish I could go back. And I think being better prepared, um, I should have read all of his fucking hashtags and, you know, did a little bit more research. Um, so I had a better context for what we were actually talking about in that moment, you know? Yeah. 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 And this doesn't have to be part of this particular podcast, but I would have helped that lady out of the trap. You know what I mean? I would have. It's the hardest thing to do to help people who try to murder you. I get that. <laughs> but man, it's also an opportunity to show, hey, we're real people. We'll, we'll help you out. We'll push your truck back up. We'll help you get out. And now you have a better opinion of cyclists than us just making fun of you on the internet. Like it just kind of, it builds on that same, that same animosity. You know what I mean? She's going to hate cyclists forever. Oh yeah. I, I agree with that a thousand percent. Now, did you listen to the whole episode? Because we talked about that part specifically. Yeah, I thought I did. I may not have been. I was doing dishes well, or may not. Again, uh, yeah, I know you got two kids. So for people who don't know, Matt's yeah. much like me, stay-at-home dad with two kids. Uh, our daughters are close in age and stuff, actually. And um, But that was what I wanted to hear. That was actually, I, I brought him on. I mean, it is, I do like the instant karma of it. I No one got hurt, you know. So, I mean, yeah. fine. It was a funny image. Um, I, um. I don't like some of the stuff that got attached to it. But anyway, I, I wanted to hear the story. I, you know me. I wanted to like, okay, what actually happened? Were you guys being assholes? You know, were there, you know, what was it? And so he went through the whole thing. And, you know, he went, he said, you know, the first thing that I did was I'm woofer, uh, wolf, woofer certified, you know, wilderness outdoor first aid. Um, 
so, you know, he like surveyed the situation and he offered assistance and all she did was yell at him and yell profanities and that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I shared a story where, um, I, I had been, um, I mean, I was like 16, but this redneck, I was, you know, in the back of a truck, we were all drinking and he, you know, flipped his, it was a Dodge, <laughs> uh, and he flipped it and, you know, we, everybody was fine, but he got out and he got his shotgun out and just started blasting shells, you know, and, um, that is kind of a tenuous situation, you know, with, with that. And I agree with what you're saying, but you have somebody also who you don't know, who's very, very elevated and just, you know, had an aggressive act towards you. And so I, I actually, I would side with him as long as what he's saying is true. And, and I've had other people, uh, you know, that were there, you know, text me and, and kind of tell me their side of the story. And it sounds like, you know, they checked on them. They made sure that they didn't need help. They actually talked about helping to roll over their vehicle, but the whole time they were just, you know, just uh, yelling profanity, yelling yeah. and, and upset. So, so yeah, yeah. no, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to pick on nickel at all. But, no, no. You know I'm, I mean? I'm really glad you brought that up. I'm glad you brought that up because I want to, I, I, I want an opportunity to kind of, again, he's not here. Um, and I don't know the guy, like I said, I didn't even know his name before we hopped on, but I think there was actually a lot of really good productive things that we talked about in terms of our relationship with vehicles. And I think that it's even sparked a greater debate about, you know, an extension of that to online and, and, um, not just how we behave on the roads and represent cyclists, but, you know, let's take that online too. And I love to have fun and I love to have jokes. And I mean, anybody listens to my podcast, I laugh probably too much, but it's not funny to make fun of other people. You know, that's, yeah. that's where it's, it's not funny. It's not cool. It's not interesting. It doesn't build anybody up. It doesn't make a difference. Like what, what's the point, you know? And so, um, yeah, I all said right. things. <laughs> no, that's all right. I did want to start though. This, I have some notes. I have notes here. I took notes, highlighter. I wanted to give a shout out. Can I do a shout out to start the show to JD bad ankle? I don't know what that means. Somebody <laughs> on Instagram. Okay. But he said, started from the bottom bracket. Now we're here. It's a Drake. Just feeling the flow. You know what I mean? Started from the bottom bracket. Now we're here. Started at the bottom bracket. Now I'm at the top. Y'all better yeah. watch out because I'm never going to stop. How did I get here? <laughs> I never know. But you know what? It don't matter because I'm just going to let it flow. Single track all day up away. I don't know. It's gone. <laughs> we, we had Whoopi Goldberg mentioned already and a little bit of rap from Patrick. Boop, boop, Kill. boop, boop. Freestyle. Killer start. Freestyle. Killer start. I love, I actually, um, I, I actually wrote down some real lyrics to that because, uh, yeah, I might actually, that, that was a good line. That, that, the, Drake, um, the Drake song? Yeah, yeah, from the, I started from the bottom bracket, now I'm at the top. That's like, to me, that's like a springboard to, you know, write a little, little something. It is. And it's a good way to start your bike maintenance. Spring maintenance coming up. You got the winter blues. Start at the bottom bracket and work your way up. There you go. Take care of all those, take care of all those creeks. Grease the grease the whatever you have. And whatever you have. Entertainment <laughs> and knowledge together. That that's bikes or death. 
hopefully. Is that what it is? Because one of the questions was somebody that's not a listener. He's like, I don't listen to podcasts. I don't listen to your show. I don't know how he knew that you were even doing this, but sell this guy on the podcast. What? Yeah. What would you say? He's like, sell me on the podcast. What episodes should I listen to? Why is this valuable for anybody? I think um, the one I just released, 104 with Ezra, Ben, and Stephanie, that was a fun episode. And I, I got a message from someone today who's like, I've never liked podcasts, but I listened to that one and it was it was awesome, you know? And um, I found myself just listening. You know, when I edited that, there was only one edit on the whole thing. I say all the time that I don't know why people listen exactly, but I hope that they listen because of what I referenced earlier is that I'm, I hope I'm coming from this from a very authentic place and I don't share, I mean, all of the fucking crazy personal drama and stuff that's going on behind the scenes, but you know, what I do share and the conversations that I have and the interactions, I mean, are, are genuine. Um, and, uh, I, I've been told that, what I'm able to do is is capture people's like true essence pretty well. And 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 even past guests will tell me that, you know, they felt at ease or oh, you know, they had fun or whatever. And to me that's really cool, you know. Like I think you know, I have thought about it and I think that it's because I'm I don't have I I, I try not to have a big ego. I mean I've been wrong a lot in my life, so it's very easy to not have a big ego. It's like, oh, I know I'm right this time. No, you know, I'm, I, you know, anyway. So like, yeah, I think hopefully people can can relate to that. Um, I often say on the podcast that I feel like the world is starved for authenticity. And I refuse to not be authentic. It, it's really a trap. You know, if I had to every single week pretend to be somebody and put on an act and a show, I mean, it's already hard enough as it is, but to like, you know, yeah. pretend, you know, I just, I don't, I can't, you know, it's not, it's not me. So yeah. Yeah. I yeah. do like it's, that. And as somebody who listens, I guess I would add what I like about the show is you don't just, you interview Lael, which I appreciate. It's fun to hear from Lael and from John Watson and all the sort of the bigger names, but you also talk to what was it, Alicia Danes. Is that her last name? Danes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People like that who are like in cycling and have cycled their whole lives and have sort of a different perspective on it. And just like little windows of cycling culture that, that we don't always get to see about and hear about. Yeah. Um, and that's cool. I got to be on the show. You know what I mean? I'm not on, I'm not anybody. And I well, got you're be becoming on. famous. It's probably because you were on the show and now you're becoming, <laughs> <laughs> probably has more to do with John Watson. <laughs> Could be. But I, I like that part of it that you'll just, you're not just chasing big names. You know what I mean? You're not just, I want to interview Tom Ritchie and, you know, the biggest names in cycling. You'll just interview anybody you're interested in. And I think that, that's a unique take, I think, on the show. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, I don't look at it as a unique take because it's what I, I want to do. I 
I'm I another thing that maybe is appealing to people is I'm just a regular guy coming at it from a regular guy's perspective, pretty new to the sport and have no business talking to a lot of the people I talk to. But, you know, I think that, yeah, 95, 98 percent of the listening audience is more related to Alicia or Hannah Simmons, who was also on that episode with her, or the one I just did with Ben, Ezra, and Stephanie, or, you know, countless others. I, um, and, and you're not wrong because, hey, we surveyed our listeners and they told us one thing that people said over and over and over was some of their favorite episodes have been just talking to people, just talking to people who ride bikes. And, that that's always been the intention and and the thing from the beginning. I I like people. I don't care how many Instagram followers you have. Doesn't matter. You know, I I've talked to Chris Picard with 3.7 million and I've talked to, you know, people with no Instagram and couldn't give a fucking shit about Instagram and or or whatever metric you want to use. I'm just saying Instagram, but you know, it's a, it's a metric and um, and, and that's silly. And I just like people. And I think that that's something that I want to, this whole, like, you know, last week uh, of reflection, I want to, uh, something I've been thinking about is that I want to make sure that I'm, I'm still pursuing the things that the things, the interviews and stuff that I want to, you know? And, uh, yeah, cause it, it can kind of, it can, it's, it's become a business, you know? So yeah, there's deadlines and there's contracts and there's all this stuff that I've got to, you know, uphold my end of the bargain. And so I've got to have content and, you know, it puts a little pressure on it. So it, it's really, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in a growth, I'm growing, you know, and, and growing can be messy. I'm figuring it out as I go, you know, but I think it's going to be very important that I stay true to like those roots and I don't just start trying to chase the biggest names and, and make it all about, you know, that, you know, for sure. All right. Have we sold them? I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. No, sold. I think that was good. <laughs> he's sold. Well, he's got to listen. You got to do all that stuff, mister. And, uh, and report back and let me know. I'd be curious. Uh, I'm, I'm curious. I would be too. I have his name written down so we can ask him later. There were a lot of questions about who you were going to interview. That was like, are you going to come to this event, Mid South or whatever it was? And are you who are, are you going to interview this person? Who are you going to interview next? Will you come to Australia? Will you come to wherever? <laughs> there were lots of those questions too. That was like a whole series of where's the podcast going? Do you have a plan? There was a lot uh, of that. No, I don't have a plan. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I really, you know, a lot of times I'll record a podcast on a Monday and release it on a Wednesday. I mean, we're just. You know, it's it's hard putting out one a week, especially, you know, if you're going to talk for three hours or two hours. I mean, it's just it's just a lot. Um, so the big factor there is, yeah, man, I'm 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 ready. I'm ready, willing and able. Oh, wait, no, I'm ready and willing. I don't have the money <laughs> is yeah. what it comes down to, which is the ability. And so, I mean, what what the podcast started was was when I went on a bike trip 
I would find somebody in the area that looked like a cool person interview and I would interview them. And sometimes I do people locally or whoever is coming through town, but you know, it's grown into this, this whole thing where, you know, a lot of people, like you said, we got a shit ton of questions of where will you come here and da, 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 da. That is, that is a, a little sliver of look into what it's like in my inbox and, yeah. you know, people that are interested in riding with me or inviting me to this or wanting me to come there or wanting me to interview this person. And it's so amazing. It's crazy, but it's really flattering. But I, I'm just like one guy and I'm still trying to manage all those other things. And my inbox is like <laughs> death. Um, so to all you people, I will answer uh, how how to best answer this question. Um I think, you know, for context, with my divorce custody, I have every other weekend, I have about a four and a half, five day window where I can do something, you know, a trip. And I built that in intentionally so that I can do podcasting trips and stuff like that. And so like, that's there, but a lot of, you know, a lot of places that are farther away, you got to fly to, and it really just comes down to money. I don't, I don't have any money. I'm I'm negative money. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, we do, we, you know, you were, you know, to bring, you know, to talk to people. I mean, just, I, I'm an open guy. Like, uh, when I went to Las Cruces and, and covered and, and produced podcasts about the danger bird and, uh, New Mexico bikepacking summit, that was because you petitioned your city to hire me to come and cover that event. I hope you're okay with me saying that. Oh yeah, but, no, it was visit, visit Hillary and visit Las Cruces was like on it. And she was the one that, that made yeah. that happen. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the only way I can do that. I, I don't have the money to, to do it. It's, it's, and I hate that, you know, I want to be able to go to all the places. Do I want to go to Australia? Fuck yes. Do I want to go to Europe? Hell yes. Do I want to go to Minnesota or Oregon or anywhere? I I love to travel. Y'all know me. I love adventure. I love riding my bikes and I love meeting people. And this is really exciting. And part of what I want to do with Bikes for Death is is focus on the community aspect of it because I do my my talking about the vision of of the podcast would be to create the, you know, this online community that I know is out there. Um, and we talk online and stuff, but yeah, let's find what more ways to connect and to go ride bikes and hang out and do all that kind of stuff. I want to do that, you know, but I've got another fucking job and bills yeah. and kids and stuff. And so, you know, it's just, again, I'm in a, a kind of messy growth phase of the, of the pro process, I think. Are there people out there who say, will you interview me? Can I be on the podcast? Is that oh, a um, multiple day? Really? <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have people, I have bribes, um, people name dropping is extremely common, you know, so-and-so said, con yeah. you know, all this and yeah, a, lo a lot of it, man. It's, it's a lot. And, and the thing is, is I am, I, Part of the thing that's hard about this for me is I've never been in a situation where the demand for my time and attention has is far outweighed by my ability to provide 
provide it. And I am a communicative person. I do, you know, I'm not someone who just ghosts you on text and Instagram, but you know, now I am that person. I am that person that, fuck, I know I remembered one today where, um, I I think it was bicycling.com. I think that, uh, sent me, um, it was a writer for them and they wanted to do an article on doing a, a century ride and, you know, you know, how that could change your life and stuff like that. And I agreed to it. And then I completely like forgot and it didn't happen. And I'm an, you know, now I'm an asshole. That's, that's an asshole thing, but there's too many of them and things fall through the cracks. And I'm so, I really am sorry, like publicly, but I, I would need like an, I need an assistant or something to read all of And that, God, that sounds really braggadocious or something, but egotistical. Just, no, it's just, just numbers. Just, the fact of it. just numbers. Yeah, it's just a fact. Yeah, that it is. I guess I would say to those people who want to be on the show, they must see value in it. Like I saw value in having you come and cover the Danger Bird and be here for that event. So my next logical step was if there's value in it, Patrick needs to be compensated. And I couldn't do that myself, you know what I mean? So I found a way to make that happen. It seems pretty easy. Instead of just saying, hey, I know somebody or I know this or, you know, you want me on your show for this reason, just pay the guy and he'll come he'll come do it and be real happy about it. <laughs> I agree. I agree. No, I mean, I appreciate that perspective. And, you know, these are the interesting conversations and side, flip sides of things that I'm just on one side of the microphone and there's just one of me and I have no idea how, how it's actually received. You're not getting, you know, kind of that instant feedback. Um, so, but oftentimes I just feel like I'm a, 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 a preacher begging for money, you know, or whatever, but you know, yeah. it's, uh, it, yeah, if you see value in it, I think that's a good way to like, look at it, you know, is, the way I operate the podcast is, you know, my life is extremely hectic. And so, you know, again, like podcasts will happen just kind of on, on the fly. We don't have a long schedule or anything. And it's just like, Oh, I'm on Instagram. I see someone's riding through or see something cool that happened and bikepacking news or whatever. And I just, um, just like, Hey, yeah, let's, you know, let's chat about that. That'd be cool. Or, Oh, I'm going to this place. Like, you know, so I'm just, I'm kind of like, I don't know. I'm just pursuing the things that I find interesting and that are within my, my ability, my, that's what it is. You know, the things that interest me yeah. and, are, and are within my, my personal ability to, to make it happen. And, you know, with everything going on and there's a lot of things that I would like to do that I'm just not able to do, but, um, yeah, man, if people will see value and, and would like to get together, man, I'll, I'll talk to anybody. You, I'll stick a microphone in anybody's face. That sounds a little bit like an NPR pitch when I said, if you see value in this for less than the cup of price of a cup of coffee a day, you yeah. can support one podcaster. I might, I might run <laughs> that ad. In the arms of angels, fly away with me. Yeah, dude. Hitting, we, all, the, hitting all the hits tonight. Dude, I'm going there. I'm going there. Why not? You only get one life. What is that, buddy? Cheers. Cheers. It's a it's an Austrian apple soda. Nice. Yeah, I hope uh I don't want to be the person that makes you break your sobriety. <laughs> That's not gonna make me feel no. better. <laughs> not not gonna happen. Not gonna good, happen. Good, good, good.
All right. Your beard's so looking. Look oh, and your hair is looking nice too. There's only one person that's ever liked my beard or my hair, and my wife puts up with it. She didn't care because I was <laughs> like this when we met. But but my dermatologist finally said, "Hey, keep the beard, keep the hair. You're doing yourself a lot of favors." Mm, so yeah, he didn't say it looks good. You know what I mean? He didn't say, "Oh, you look good." No, there's a lot of practical benefits. You know, sun, yeah. wind, warmth in the winter. Yeah, we're mammals. I'm I'm a big fan of body hair. Let it go. Let it go. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your time on that shit. I um I actually need to ask you a question about your your body hair. Have you do you get dandruff? Oh yeah, I do. How do you have you found a way to manage it? <laughs> uh, dude, no, that's I just, just driving me. Huh? I just put up with it. I just put up with it. It's dry as shit here. You know yeah. what I mean? So your skin gets dry. There's some guys at the farmer's market who sell beard oil or some sort of beard supplement. I don't know exactly what it is. And they look at me every time I walk by, they look at me like, oh, this is our customer. This is our guy right here. They see yeah. my dry beard. I'm scratching it like an animal. Yeah. And then I just, I can't do it. I, I have a beard because I don't want to spend a bunch of time not having a beard. Yeah. It's such a paradox. So I'm telling you, this is very topical for me because just this past week, my dandruff has gotten crazy. And so I started reading all these articles and, you know, all these beard care articles and they're like, wash your face twice a day. Use this, use that, do, do, do. You got to trim it this way. And I'm like you, I'm like, I, I didn't grow a fucking burly ass beard to like spend more time than I ever have shaving keeping up with it. You know, this is just ridiculous. And the money. You're right. The money, the money. too. It's more yeah. money. You go from yep. a razor blade and a little sh shaving cream to 37 different products and a whole regimen of facial care. And that was the first time I got a real glimpse into, I think, what it's like to be a woman or at least some women who bother themselves with these kinds of things i've kind of heard about you know like you hear him talking yeah. about it but this is the first time i'm like okay i need to moisturize i need to you know wash my face twice a day so all right well that's good to know man i think i think i'm just gonna have to let it go Gr growing a beard gave you an insight into what it's like to be a woman yeah i love it i love it yeah i think so yeah yeah, yeah it made so. me I mean, appreciate like all yeah, they, I mean, because I mean, I've been married to a few of them, at least two. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, you hear things. But um, now I, I do think I have a little bit of a peek because I've never gone on and like read an article about skincare or any of this. I just, why would I, you know? So, yeah, being an adult is kind of bullshit for sure. Ooh, you got to brush boy. your teeth too. Who, who knew that? You got to brush your teeth twice a day, twice Wait. a day. Wait, this yeah, is new information. Not just the front <laughs> ones. You got to get the back. You got to get the back ones. The skittles clogged back in there from your last trip. Or yeah, I'm just gonna let mine fall out. I think it's fine. It's talking lighter. about beard. You'd, you'd yeah, be I'll go with lightweight. Light <laughs> yeah, birds don't have teeth. People think they fly because they have feathers and wings. They also don't have teeth, and that's a significant weight savings. I think birds with teeth could not, <laughs> wouldn't be able to fly. Now we're spreading misinformation. 
on the Bikes for Death podcast. I'm a wildlife biologist. You can trust me. (laughs) (laughs) What were we talking about? Oh, I don't know. Oh, we were selling the guy on the podcast. I think we sold him. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think we did too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sold. There was a good question from Shammy Butter. Okay. Which obviously raises the immediate question Do you use chamois cream in a chamois? I actually use theirs. Do you? Yeah. Um, I, 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 full disclosure, I reached out to them recently and, and, uh, expressed an interest in, you know, a, a potential sponsorship partnership, whatever. Um, because more body hair talk or body talk again, uh, getting old sucks. And for the first time in my life, I have started experiencing, um, chafing. I've never had the, the ball chafing before. This yeah. is the first time I'm 42 years old. And I mean, it probably started about, I don't know, a year ago. Um, but I've been having to like manage that. And and the best way I found to do it is just to put on, you know, that chamois cream and, uh, keep everything kind of loose, kind of, I don't love it to be honest with, I mean, you know, I don't love it putting it on or rather not have it on, <laughs> but, um, chafing is super painful. Uh, and I really don't like that. It, it puts you off the bike. And it makes you scared. It made me scared to ride. I'm like, fuck, man. Is that going to happen again? <laughs> yes. Uh, maybe I'm just a wuss, but I didn't like it. So, uh, yeah. You don't like chafing on your balls, huh? That's not no. something you're into. <laughs> no. <laughs> so you hit up so you hit up Shammy Butter and you said, hey, I've been putting your stuff on my testicles and around my anus. What do you say we do a little deal? <laughs> Let's let you give me money. <laughs> And I tell people <laughs> to rub your shit on their junk. How does that sound? Boom, Matt, now you're a podcaster. They did have a good question, though. Okay. Uh, they wanted to know the most overrated and underrated part of yourself, which that's a, that's a big question, of you yourself. And then the secondary one, which is much easier to handle, is the most overrated and underrated part of bikes or your bike. Or sort of biking cold. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm not smart enough. To... Question a little there. We can take it one part at a time. You want to do the bike part first? Go ahead. Let's... No, you're the host. What are we doing? I'm Bronco Tryhard, and I'm the host of this podcast. Uh, the most overrated part of biking or like bikes. Like, what's the thing that's just over, overblown? Is there, is there one? Yeah. Oh, there's lots of them. Um, I mean, it, it certainly would depend on the sector of cycling that we're talking about and all manner of things. But, um, you know, from my perspective and the way I ride bikes and stuff, you know, uh, and the need for like super high end, ultra lightweight XYZ parts that are exorbitantly expensive, um, I feel like are kind of overrated, um, for, for me, you know, and like where I look around, I feel like, I don't know, man, I don't know where most people live and what most people's lives are like, but you know, most people I feel like when I see in my life or, you know, out in, you know, I think people are like, I don't know, don't need to spend $5,000 on a drivetrain or whatever. You know, I don't think that that is very relevant, uh, to, to most people, so that's one off the top of my head. Uh, Expensive overrated. bike parts, overrated. Yeah, I mean, I 
down. I mean, if you can afford it, you're a millionaire, whatever. But I think, you know, this obsessing about all these bike parts, I've got, I don't, I've got some like 1998, you know, XT uh, derailleur on my bike right now. It's about to go to Big Bend. I've had it for, I don't know how long. It's fine, you know? Yeah. So I don't know, but I like fancy, you know, it's, it's a, it's, 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 <laughs> no, <laughs> you're like, never mind. I take it back. I like no, fancy no, bike no, I, I don't. I think, I think there, there's a, there's a line there because what I'm really looking for is a balance between, you know, function and, and cost, you know, what are you getting for your money? And, you know, yeah. I think most people know I'm looking for a durable lifetime bike, a steel bike, a titanium bike. If, if I had a, if I had, if I was a rich man, listen, I would have a, a gravel machine that was like carbon and fast and stuff. But, you know, so again, I'm only talking from my perspective and from my perspective as a poor guy, um, I just, I look for, a, a bike that will last that I don't have to worry about. And I'll put parts from my garage that are, I, you know, who knows how old and I'll throw them on until they break and then I'll get, you know, and then that's fine. So and I, I yeah. think that's probably how more people could approach bikes. And like, I, and, and I'm, this is probably going way too far, but people, so I know some people did want me to talk more about gear. So some people will be happy about this, but like, as a person who, you know, one, doesn't have a lot of money and two, I try to be very frugal with the money that I do have. I've gone through a lot of different iterations of, you know, what is the right approach to purchasing, you know, a bike. And I've landed on, again, you know, lifetime bikes. And I would consider my Salsa Fargo that I bought for $950 you know, steel, fully steel, fully rigid bike. That's a bike that I can and will own forever at $950. You know, I also have a Chumba Stella tie that I'm just lucky and I got a good deal. I think, you know, because of the podcast, um, I have a good relationship with them and they, you know, gave me a good deal on it. But, you know, that, that's a bike that I'll have uh, forever. And, uh, you know, the brakes on there are shitty. I got BB7 Mechanicals. I've got an Origin 8 seat post, you know, I like, I don't know. But but then there's also some ni nice parts on there too, so. Yeah, I, I, I agree with all of that. And the place that I like spending more money, I don't have a lot of money to just blow on whatever I want. But when I do spend a lot of money, it's because I like the person or people making that like handmade products you know what i mean like i'm spending quite a bit for that for a triplane fork from shell but i like it you know what i mean shell and erica are great people it's it feels different yeah. giving them money than it does giving money to track or some billion dollar corporation you know what i mean so i, I feel better about it yeah it's still expensive but here's my argument matt one, it, it has more value. It has more value to you because uh, of the things that you just mentioned. It has more value. You know, it's making a difference to the person you bought it from. And then on an open market, a bike like that is going to have more value than, you know, a specialized XYZ bike. You know, you put that on a flood of bikes and there's like, you know, 10 of them. Uh, you just pick the color you want. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, yeah. it, I, I agree. I think that's a smarter way and a, a more fun way to approach cycling. 
And that's just our perspective. You know, it's, it's lots of co- flavors of the rainbow. Uh, the, the second half of this question from Shammy Butter was underrated. What's the underrated part of cycling? Of cycling. Yeah, I did hit on like specifically bikes, but maybe not anything about like cycling overall or whatever. Underrated. Ah, that's okay. I uh, Okay, well, my answer to the underrated is going slow. I think that is the most underrated part of cycling, any part of cycling. You hear so much about going fast and the FKT and all this stuff, but I purposely will go out and if I'm riding too fast, I'll be like, why are you in a fucking hurry? Slow down. You know, my life is so busy and so crazy and all this stuff that, uh, again, just me that I, I don't know, man. I just really, and not all, you know, I like to, you know, stretch my legs too. So I'm, I think there's, I think in all things there's, um, happiness and balance and moderation, but, but, um, you know, again, it's, you don't hear people talking about the value of like really slowing down. Um, and as a hiker, I know you, you definitely enjoy slowing down. Yeah. Three miles an hour is like pretty sweet pace to see the landscape. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty great. It really, I don't know. It just, I, I, I find that or I found for myself in the past that, and it still happens where for some reason I get on my bike and I feel this inclination and maybe it's the culture where I feel this need to smash it. And I'm like, why? <laughs> I'm like, stop, yeah. just, you know, just relax. And it depends on the mood I'm in. Sometimes I, I just want to relax and chill out and, you know, vibe off whatever. Or sometimes I just want to like go hard and block out my mind in that way or whatever you know it's like i'm not you know different approaches so yeah that's going, my answer going slow i like it yeah i like going it. slow i just put a coast coaster break on my krampus dude that's sick so yeah so i do a, lo- a lap of the local mountain right by my house four and a half miles and my times obviously with the coaster break are way slower than they would be with disc brakes they're just slower i can't i can't corner as fast i can't descend as quickly and I'm having way more fun than I've ever had. You know what I mean? Right. So I am going slower. And and if you look at what I'm doing on Strava, I'm not on Strava. But if you could, <laughs> you would see, oh, he's going slower. You know, something's wrong with him or what? You know, people w- wouldn't say he's doing better. And I yeah. feel like I'm having more fun and succeeding at bikes better than I have been in the past. Yeah. By going slower. I mean, that, that echoes the way I feel about... Um, single speed, which is, I mean, I guess I've been on single speed for a year and a half or two years, but it still feels kind of new, but yeah, it just, it, it's, yeah, it takes speed out of the equation in many, in many ways, you know, it's, yeah, unless you, maybe you can hike faster or something. I mean, speed is just irrelevant. You're just pedaling your bike and that, that probably actually speaks to something that helped me understand the value of going slow and just be like, Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. This is totally chill. You're not worrying about shifting. You don't feel any pressure to shift, which is weird, but you're like, oh, I got to get that next gear. I got to, I can push a couple more whites up this hill. You know, I can, I can do it, man. But if you got a single speed, you're just like, oh, I'm spinning out or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So you just kind of go, you go with the flow of the ride. And if it's slow for part of it, cause you're flat and your gear is wrong, then you go slow. There you go. And that's okay. 
Yeah. Yeah. This single episode is great. brought to you by Single Speed, by the way. It's brought single. to you by One Gear. <laughs> That's the One Gear to rule them all. Single Speed. Eat your Single Speed area. Somebody did right. ask, uh, they had a gear question. What's your favorite Single Speed cog? I think somebody asked that. Pretty sure. Have you no have a idea. favorite cog? Um, I have an I had a I have an admission to make before I answer that question. Also, Matt, yeah. did you write that your notes on the back of your daughter's artwork? <laughs> uh, yes, I did. Cat and they drew, they drew their designs for cake pops that they made at Christmas with my grandma or my mom oh, and their nice. grandma. Nice. And I thought, well, Christmas is over. We made the cake pops. Beautiful. I love it. Well, you're recycling. You're recycling. All right. What was the question? I'm sorry. Your favorite cog. Oh, okay. Maybe they meant um, size. I don't know if they meant size or they meant maker. Yeah. You can answer Okay. Both. I want to, I want to do my, uh, my admission first because, um, this is kind of embarrassing, but it's also telling for a couple years now. I've, thought that I had an 11 to 46 gear ratio at back in back. And, um, I just found out like a month ago, I've had 11 to 42 this whole time. <laughs> nice. <laughs> For like two years, I've been saying it on the podcast. I'm like, oh yeah, I read this. And I'm riding with people and I'm like, why am I smashing gears? And you're, you know, like, I, I, I'm like, you know, and it finally clicked. I'm like, oh, I'm not in the gears that I thought I was in. <laughs> um, and so now I have, I think, an 11 to 50. Uh, which we're taking a big bend. I got to leave at like five thirty tomorrow morning. Um, yeah, see how see how it is to have actually some gears back there. But um, so to answer this question, I'm not very. I don't even know exactly what I have. I think I have a thirty two uh, seventeen on my Fargo. I have okay. a um, chain tensioner, which is fucking sweet. Um, I, I've had some people ask me about it. It's called Godspeed, which is the reason why I got it. And it's just, it's cool. And yeah. And who, I don't know. Is it a, sur, a, sur, a surly cog? Is that who makes the cog, you know? I don't know. The one with the little circular holes in it? Oh, are you talking about the tensioner or the uh No, the, the cog, cog itself. The cog no, itself. I think I it might I don't be know a, what they asked. I might not have even written it down. It might be a wolf tooth. Okay. I don't I, I like don't know. Stuff. I don't know. Yeah. I, I only care if it works, you know, like again, I go into my parts, I'm like, oh, this gear isn't whatever, so I'll pick out a different one. I don't look at it to be like, oh, is this the wolf tooth X three three ninety or whatever? I just like <laughs> Yeah, just put it on there and go. Dude, I I would I sound whatever, but again, it really does come back to how fucking busy I am. I don't have time. I'm just like, oh, I got to go on a bike ride, you know, and fucking scramble to get it done. When we get off here today, I'm going to pack till 2 o'clock in the morning and then get up at 5.30 to drive to Big Ben because I haven't fucking done shit. So, yeah, yeah. it's just craziness. There were, they, yeah, okay, so you're packing up. Uh, Hopped Birder, do you know Hopped Birder from Instagram? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Post those badass bird pictures from New York. Dude, he uh, I think that's Peter. And he told me the other day that I was one of the first 
uh, Instagram followers in the bike community to follow him. And I took that as a great compliment. Ah, yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah. I probably he said I might have been you. the first. What? I I think I was in there before you. Were you? Okay. Well, he. <laughs> I really like birds. No, I don't care. I, I, no, I'm let's just, just let's just open it up real quick and see. <laughs> no. <laughs> there is a no, high. He was probab- asking about pre-trip, pre-trip okay, checklists and routines and what do you do before a trip to make sure you have your shit in order. Do you <laughs> eat a do you eat a meal like you're going out in the backcountry? Do you eat like a a big meal of turkey tetrazzini or whatever every time before you go? Oh, uh, so some kind of uh, like a tradition that I do. Yeah. And just sort of like how you prepare for a trip. It sounds like you're just going to drink some beers and just like walk back and forth in your garage until two in the morning. You don't have a list and an Excel spreadsheet. No, no. Yeah, no. I, you know, I've done it enough. I mean, it is what it is. What what I'll probably do. I I have got my bike. um, I changed out the... Actually, the fork, the front suspension fork that I put on for Las Cruces, um, I took that off. I put my rigid back on, but I kept the curvy bars because um, one, I don't really need it. And two, we're actually doing bike rafting on this trip and I didn't want the suspension getting wet and all that. So I thought that would be a little bit better. Um, But the bike is pretty much set up. You know, the Mr. Fusion is on there. The Rod Geist uh, thing is on the front. The bike, the bike is kind of ready. So now what I'll do is I'll basically anything that I need, I'll throw in a Tupperware and um, I'll, I'll pack it whenever I get there that night and probably finish up in the morning before we roll out. So you know, I know what I need. I'll throw it all in and I'll put it all together when I get there. And it's it, yeah, yeah. That's that's how I'm doing this one. Uh, any pre-trip rituals? No, just panic because I'm out of shape at this point and try to like do some <laughs> last-minute, you know, rides to to like get in, like remind my body, like, oh, you can um, get up from behind the computer and actually go outside. It's okay. Uh, somebody else asked if you're on a ride. I thought this was uh, see what you think. If you're on a ride, you're riding down the trail. And you have to immediately eliminate either your bars or your saddle. Saddle. They're just gone. They just they they fade away. They saddle. blink twice like a video game, <laughs> and they're gone. Which would you prefer? Saddle. Saddle. Yeah, that seems pretty a easy. Thousand percent. A thousand yeah. percent. Now, here's a different question. I've had this happen. Maybe see if this has happened to you, Matt. Have you ever had a, a seal break on your tire or have a tire completely blow out? But on, you know, I've had this happen to me where my front tire, I was on pavement, went com- completely exploded and I was instantly on pavement. And luckily I was on pedal uh, flats and I just, I caught myself. But, um, you know, the question would be if you're going down some gnarly, whatever you want your front. Well, I guess it's rear tire. That one's easy too. I don't know. Yeah. You don't want your front going out and you don't want your bars to disappear. No, (laughs) (laughs) no, but people have dropper posts. I mean, you're going down single track. You just, people want to drop that shit out of the way anyway. So yeah. Yeah. All right. Keep your handlebars on then. I will. (laughs) <laughs> check check out Stimble. 
the stem bolts tonight. Uh, how about what was your what was your most epic ride or your longest ride ever? Uh, those could be different. Those could be totally different. Most epic ride ever. You sound like Alex Trebek on Jeopardy. Is that who does Jeopardy? <laughs> I think he did. I think he's dead. Yeah, until he, he died. died, and then until he died. Other people... <laughs> now he's yeah. not doing. And then it he st- <laughs> did he stopped. <laughs> Man, epic ride. Ooh, there's been so many good ones. There's been epic moments. There's been epic rides. Uh, I gotta say, I mean, I feel like you know, uh, I've had my most special moments out at Big Bend. I, I think you can probably relate as somebody who rides in the desert a lot. Um, the desert, desert doesn't fuck around. The desert is, is just, is as real as it gets, I feel like. And, um, it's a real, I mean, it can be a mirror into yourself and I mean, it's just anything you want it to be. It's, you know, it, and it, it's, um, you can see forever, just so you can see forever and you'll have some of the most amazing experiences um, watching the sunrise and set and the night sky and just the whole thing, you know, the magnitude of everything and how small you feel and how much appreciation you feel for the, the plants and the wildlife that occupy this arid and, you know, remote and just rugged area, you know, I mean, it just, Man, I go out there and it just, it just zeroes back, you know, it just puts everything back in place kind of. And so I don't think I could outline a specific one, but for me that, that region, I think, you know, I think other people have similar experiences probably like that, hopefully where there's just places that you go to that kind of unlock that for you. Cause that's your favorite place to ride. Like you had a dream ride. Is there someplace else you just really want to go that you haven't been? No, I think, um, oh, somewhere. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of places sure. I, would, I would love, I would love to go. But you'll, all, you'll always go back to big Bend. It sounds like that's like a well that you're drawing from for, for your life. Kind of dude, you know, I mean, so the, where I'm leaving tomorrow is my big bend birthday bash weekend. You know, I do it every year i think this will be the fourth year that that we do it now and it's important to me that i try to make it out there once a year you know and yeah. i have many friends that feel similarly and we try to go together you know so yeah it's just it's kind of our spot i think i mean we don't have a lot in texas it's it's kind of it is our crown jewel it's no doubt it's 1.3 million acres the Rio Grande, you know, obviously is a defining factor and the, the geology there is just, it's, it's one of the coolest geological formations on planet earth period. And that's just facts, not me saying that, you know, they come there and study, uh, study it. So, um, just a, it's a cool place, man. Uh, yeah. yeah. And we're lucky to, I mean, it's a nine hour drive, but fuck, it's worth it, man. So what's the top of the list for places you haven't been that you want to go ride? I think, dude, fucking Northern California, Washington, somewhere up there, man. Uh, I'd love to go to Canada. I'd love to visit my boy in Canada. I'd love to do the Baja Divide. Um, Would be super cool. 
Um, I hear really good things about like Michigan. I get invited up there a lot. I haven't, I haven't been up there. Um, but I think, man, one of the, one thing that has Northern California, it's gotta be like through, or, uh, what is it? What is it? Yo- Yosemite or Yellowstone? Fuck. I always get those. Yos- Yosemite's in California. Thank you. Yosemite. Yeah. I just I want to go experience that whole that whole area. I hike it, bike yeah. it, whatever. Dry. I don't care. I just want to go. Yeah, that's a big right. bucket list item item for me. So if there's anybody <laughs> listening that wants to bring bikes <laughs> or death to that area, uh, I'm interested. I'm sure, somebody is. There's a lot of people yeah. in California. Yeah, it's actually my number one market is California. Is it? California is my number one state and Austin is my number one city. So that's huh. interesting. Yeah. What else can you, what are, what other metrics do you know? Like you got a breakdown on age or gender or. Yeah. It's uh 80% men, 20% women. Definitely. I would love to uh, keep growing the women's side of it. Um, that's one thing that I've been pretty vocal about from the beginning. Um, but to be honest with you, it's grown from like 17% to 20%. So we're, we're growing. Um, the age range is mostly 25 to 50, I believe. Okay. America's biggest Canada's second UK's third Australia's fourth. And then I don't remember exactly where it goes from there. We had 600,000 downloads today, totals, you know, for the whole podcast. Uh, a big one. Sorry, I got, I got lots of numbers. Uh, <laughs> no, you had them on right, ready to go. That's good. No, I just fucking know them, man. This is, you know, I fucking, you know, I'm trying to, you, if you're trying to like sell your business to somebody, you know, uh, companies want to know the stuff. So I, I yeah. know it. Um, but a big one is is recently I found out that bikes or death is in the top point five percent of all podcasts in the entire world. Now, that's pretty cool. But if if you break down the numbers, it means I think we're about in the top. We're like out of two point eight million podcasts, we're in the top one hundred and sixty three thousand. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. That's still but, solid. It no, sounds better you know, the other way. It sounds better yeah. the other way. <laughs> yeah. But I'm a, I'm an honest guy. I could, you know, I, uh, yeah. You, I actually said that to somebody else. I'm like, it sounds way better when you say it the first time. And then you're like, <laughs> okay, let's back it up though. But um, yeah, the podcast has been successful. Period. Yeah. End of sentence. I could... Yeah. You know, when you asked me that question to meditate on it, and uh, one thing I, I reflected on was um, I, I could walk away and be okay with it. I don't want to, you know, um, but I can I can be proud and really pleased and everything. I mean, it, it's it's a real thing that has touched a lot of lives. It's reached all over the world. Um you know, it's, it's, it's a thing and, uh, I fucking did it, you know? So I'm, 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 I'm happy, you know, like with all that, it's, 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 it's rare. And, uh, you know, I, I'm okay. I, I try not to be too boastful, but at the same time, we like 
call ourselves out for doing things wrong. I think we should also acknowledge when we do things well and when we're proud of ourselves and, and stuff. And, um, I could have never imagined this in a million years. It's so much fun, you know, uh, on many levels, a lot of it's hard, but what we're doing right now, this is a, this is a lot of fun. I really, really enjoy this, you know? And, uh, yeah, brings a lot of value to my life. It does. You do. You like, you love what you're doing. I do. I do love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that question because it really made me question, like have to think about that, you know? Yeah. And maybe that relation, the relationship needs to change a little bit. Um, but at least I know that it it's also providing value to me, which, which is important in a healthy relationship. It is. No, it is. Yeah, for sure. What, uh, do you, do you have like an outline for what you want to do to try to get more women involved or more people of color? There are a lot of white dudes in bikepacking just in sport and <laughs> just in sport yeah. and outdoors in general. You yeah. know what I mean? And I, and that's something I've struggled with as a, you know, a host an event. And I'm like, that was the one thing I looked out over the crowd at the danger bird. I'm like, well, these are just a lot of white dudes. Yeah. What can I do? Have you thought about that? I think about it a lot. Yeah. I, um, I, I just, there's no easy that. answer. I wasn't trying to put you on the spot and say, no, it's, outline your it's, plan. Just, it, it's hard. It's hard because it's a big cultural thing. It's not just bikes. It's the whole culture and system we live in that has created these inequities you know so it's i ha i mean i have done stuff like i've um you know we we contribute one percent of all the money we make to the bikepacking roots bike park adventure grant program um but they that helps facilitate and they get in applications and they review them and we when we had ali johnson on uh, episode 98 uh you know we talked about you know, the first round of those recipients that went out and we talked about those, some, some of those stories and, and part of that whole initiative was, okay, what can we do? One, we can donate a little bit of money. Um, two, we can promote that cause and try to draw some awareness to it. And three, you know, I, I have offered to, you know, host an episode with many of them, a few of them, you know, whoever, um, that that's interested, you know, and I've, uh, put that out there on the podcast and also off the podcast to bikepacking roots, um, specifically. Um, and there's a lot of other organizations and there's a lot of people doing good things. And I think that there's a lot of things that I, I'm, I'm capable of doing. And again, on many levels of the podcast, and this is one of them, you know, um, that is one thing that, that I've done specifically that I can say, we do this. This is, and, and, you know, they just had their first round of, of recipients that went on trips and at, that episode was in December. And, and really I probably need to follow up with Allie, um, and be like, Hey, who do we got? You know? Um, but you know, I've, I've put that offer out to them and that's kind of one weird thing about podcasting and I'm a little bit reluctant to say this. And so we'll see where, where this goes on the podcasting editing floor, but, one thing that I've run into behind the scenes is um, I have reached out to women and minorities who have turned me down and on many occasions. And 
I don't know exactly why that is. You know, I I I don't know. I I, I can. I, I I yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's because I don't feel like they have a, a place, and maybe their their opinion isn't as valid or or whatever. I can't you know say I don't have a look into that to like really draw a conclusion. But I do know that like guys are knocking down my door and you know tripping over themselves to get on the podcast and you know they're kind of gross sometimes about it you know and i'm just like i mean i don't i don't worry about that but man i i i have tried to get quite a few people on the podcast who have turned me down uh both minorities and females and and i don't know why so i mean it sounds like you're just keep trying and yeah and at some point when you started you're like if i have an episode with a with a man, I want to have one with a woman or, yeah, you know what I yeah, mean? You trying yeah. to, trying to find a balance that way. Yeah. And I think that's unrealistic. I'm glad you brought that up. I think that's unrealistic because of there is a disport. It's not only a, uh, an image thing. It's a reality thing. You know I mean? There are less, but we want to grow. The, it's also the fastest growing sector period, end of statement. So that's growing. Let's, let's continue that segment. Let's continue that trend. Let's bring that into, um, you know, minorities and, or whatever, you know, let's bring that into every single culture, society, person, place, everything, you know, thing, you know, let's just, let's just do that. You know, that's, that's what I'm trying to do. And, um, it's a, it's a big job. You're right. You know, and it's going to take a long uh, it's a take, take a long time. And I, I want to do better at, at that. I think that there's some opportunity. I'm excited to, um, yeah, I'm excited for some of those opportunities. I think we've done some stuff and I think that we can do more. I can do more. Yeah. I think we all can. Uh, miles had a question. Miles Arbor. Do you know Miles Arbor? Uh, nope. Have you heard of him? Have you heard of him? No. He asked if you were stranded on an Island with miles, you and miles, which I know you've thought about. Yeah. I know you've thought about it. <laughs> how many, how many days would it be until you guys started holding hands? That's not what he asked. He asked. <laughs> the answer is zero days. We would start on day one. Zero days. Yeah. Good. Uh, what he actually said was 10 items that you would like to have on that Island. Oh for my you gosh, and miles. That's too many. That's too many. Here, um, well, I mean, some of them could be. I'd, I'd want like a chessboard. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. I mean, simple. I can knock off some. Like, yeah, his gitalele. You know, he definitely needs to bring that because he and I are both musical. We would. I mean, not neither of us is good, but we both love to fucking make up stupid songs and sing and stuff. So that would be a must. We would have to bring our bikes. Um, if there was a way. <laughs> It's funny if there was a way to bring our cameras and they would like we had solar power to charge them or something. I think we would both like take pictures and be like, "Bro, look at this one." I think we would do that for ten <laughs> years. Like, look at this one I got, you know. Uh, and then I think we need a machete and probably like, oh, I know what we need. I can't remember what they're called. That um, Fuck! It's it's a it's like a trail building tool or the fire. It was first uh, developed for like fighting fires, and it was named after like a fucking guy. But it's like a pick on one side and flat on the other, you know. So if we I had, do know. yeah, yeah, I can't think of the name. I can't fucking think of it, man. It's like it starts with an M. It starts with an M, maybe. 
Anyway, someone on the internet will tell us. <laughs> yes, they will. Anyway, but then we could build some trails. Yeah. Kill some food. Um, fishing line. Fishing hook. I don't know. We're probably at 10. That seems like 10. And we're going to have All to right. fucking make our own shelter. So we're not taking that shit. We're going to have to hunt or fish. Yeah. It sounds kind of fun. Yeah. I mean, it I sounds know, like miles, Bear Grylls but... might call me after this episode and be like, so anyway, uh, you and this Canadian want to get dropped <laughs> off on an island, huh? <laughs> okay. <laughs> that guy's a joke, Bear Grylls. Oh, he just he pees is. on his stuff. I remember him just like peeing on everything. He loves to pee I, on I things. I didn't watch he it. Loves... It was just like a, de- a decade ago, and he just was like pissing on all his stuff. I've liked Bear Grylls. rag on, on, his head with, on his head with piss <laughs> on it. <laughs> Dude, you know what he's into in the bedroom. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> he's in that tape with Donald Trump on the, the Russian, the Russian P tape. It's just very yeah. He's like Trump, Trump, Trump. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. They're into That's it. good stuff. That's great. Uh, somebody asked about stretching. If you stretch, no, no, easy, simple. Uh, what <laughs> do you have any thoughts? Somebody said, do you have any thoughts on long rides? Like one recurring thought where you're on a long ride. And it just hits you. I'm going to die or whatever the thought is. Huh? Interesting. Is there something you like, or does your brain just kind of free, free form? Yeah. I find that, um, movement is really good for my thought. Um, and so whenever I'm riding on my bike, my, I feel like my thoughts are, are better. I feel like it just kind of flows better and there's a lot nicer synchronicity with, with everything I think that's happening. Yeah. So uh, the only reoccurring thing that I can think of right off the top of my head is again, just go slow is I'm, I'm always, you know, if I'm like, I don't know if I like, yeah, I'm just like, why are you hurrying, man? If you want to stop and look at something or I don't know, ride up some silly hill or jump off a rock or ride through a sprinkler or whatever it is, like just, you know, have a little bit of fun, you know, like try to find, try to find the fun and the, and the joy and the satisfaction in riding a bike, you know, not just pounding out Watts and not just, and, and, and I, I'm kind of knocking it, but I've done it and I get it. And like, I do it too, kind of. And some people really, really, really value that and enjoy that. Um, so yeah, this is just kind of the way, yeah, my approach. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of this? So I sort of think the same thing. You're, everybody's thoughts, not mine and yours, but I think everybody's when they're moving through the landscape, you're in a, you're in a state that just things are easier. Your brain's working better. Your body's working better. And I sort of think it's because for 200,000 years, that's what humans did. Right. You know, it's only the last like 200 years where we had this different lifestyle, sedentary. And I'm like that genetics and DNA is still in us now. Yeah. And when we, we're not like tuned into it at all in our modern culture, it doesn't like support that sort of, and I think that's why we get, we get so wound up, you know what I mean? And why it's easy to attack somebody on the internet. There's all this like underlying, just sort of human bullshit that we've added to the top where we're not allowed to be sort of the animals that we are. Yeah. Added to the top of already being starved of our most basic instincts. Yeah. You know, we're, we're shoved into houses and cubicles and cars. We're drowned out from the, 
night sky from all the light pollution. There's no semblance of a natural world in most cities that we live in. And we fucking wonder, you know, why diabetes is on a rise. And I mean, I'll, I'll, I don't know. I don't want to go down the list. <laughs> There's too many I, things. Yeah, I don't either. I'm not but like it, one of these people that says like, make Pangea great again. You know what I mean? Where I'm pining whoa, for whoa, the whoa. old days. No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, because we've made advances. We treat each other yeah, better. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But I do think we're missing something that the outdoor. But the lying. conversation can be, you know, I'm I'm not saying go back to prehistoric times, obviously, and neither are you. It's more like um, we can do better in some areas, and also we can highlight the importance and the value and the opportunities available to you by going for a bike ride in the outdoors. And, and there's lots of ways to do that. You can do long trips, you can do short trips, you can do, you know, rides. I was on, I'm on this little slack group with some, uh, local dads like that take their kids bike, bike riding and stuff. And, you know, they're talking about doing a little kid camping trip in a park and just, you know, ride five miles or whatever, you know I mean? It can, it can be all those things and, and all those are really, really valuable. And, um, and again, just finding some balance in life and not to, you know, take away all this great stuff that we have. But, um, I think that there is a lot of opportunity to balance the scales more in the side of, you know, more outdoor activity, you know, more time spent with nature, more time riding your bike or walking around the neighborhood or, you know, more of that and, and less, uh, less screen time, less sitting behind a cubicle and, um, yeah. Or yeah. Balance balance. Yeah. What is, what is Jared Foster? He has a, like a catchy, a catchy little line. Uh, nature deficit disorder. He talks about that. Oh, yeah, it's that's probably from not the his. Book. It's probably it's probably a, yeah, it's probably something. Yeah, it's it's from the book uh, "Last Child in the Woods" by Lou fucking something. Anyway, Lou Al, Lou Al Cinder. Yes. No, that's no. not right. That's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but uh, yeah, fighting na- nature deficit disorder. It's a it's a, a term that he coined uh, in that book, and it's an excellent book. And it really, you know, that book is very topical to our conversation because it really talks about how we progress as a society and and what specifically has changed in our society and the way that we build cities and parks, the rules that we put on children. He looks at you know, the evolution of a child and their development in a rigid school system versus in like Switzerland where they have schools where you just kind of like play outside all day and you're like, oh, what's this bug? And you're like, oh, that's a great question. This is a da 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 And then you eat it or whatever, you know? And and they look at those and, and you know, newsflash, But the kids that have free play, the kids that are allowed to fail, the kids that, you know, bump their knee and understand pain and understand motor skills and and learn these things at a young age are much more capable at making decisions or their bodies work better. Uh, You know, all these things, you know, Um, it's an excellent book and it's probably the most important book on this topic of you know, one 
looking at what we've done as a society and how we've shifted raising our children and how not only the way we're raising them, but why we're raising them different because of the infrastructure that we've built and, and all this crazy shit. And, um, anyway, Ooh, you want to do a book review? We can do that too, but yeah, uh, I'll put a, I'll put a link in the show notes to that book. How yeah. That? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're good at this. No, I'm good. I'm real good. The other thing I was going to ask about, we were sort of talking about wilderness a little bit there. I was going to ask about what do you, what do you think about wilderness and like where we are with bikes in the wilderness and why they're not allowed and sort of just generally the idea of wilderness designated wilderness and like what it means, what wilderness means to you with a little W, you know, what that means to you. Matt, I am going to uh, flip that question to you and now you answer it. (laughs) Uh, So here, here's an important thing that, you know, if anyone, where I live in Texas, uh, wilderness is not a, a, a debate or a topic that's being discussed because we don't have wilderness to, discuss you know i mean it's like uh how many acres do you own oh cool is it high fence how many deer are you raising you know we're not and not to say those are conversation i'm having but as a texas culture at large you know it's mostly private land we're not there aren't all these debates over wilderness and grazing and all this stuff but i know you are very aware and in tune to this um, this kind of issue. So I'm actually more interested to hear your thoughts. I mean, I guess the first thing that I, that I hadn't realized or didn't appreciate as much as I do now is that it's all stolen land. And like the idea of wilderness itself is sort of, you know, like it has this root in white supremacy. And that's, I struggle with that because I had had this relationship with wilderness and visiting what I thought was a wilderness for most of my younger life. Uh, so I'm sort of trying to get my head around that and it's indigenous land and it was cared for and it wasn't just uninhabited, you know, land that we as a country came upon and decided to save because we have goodness in our hearts. You know what I mean? It, well, it's because Jesus told us to, right? <laughs> yeah, we like forcibly removed people, and that and forced religion and culture onto them, and yeah, and murdered them. I mean, so there's like that root of it that it, I don't want to set it aside, you know, for what to finish the rest of the question, but I don't know what, how to do that, you know, like the idea of land back and like giving land back. I'm very curious to know more about that. Sort of the mechanics of it but I sort of find that I'm open to that idea. It makes sense to me. This is a a foreign topic again. So when you say you're giving land back, you're saying giving, you know, what land back to, I'm assuming indigenous people, but, or is this such a young conversation? It's for me, I'm uh, totally uninformed. You know what I mean? I've looked at landback.org or whatever the website is. And read some read some different things, but I'm not up to speed. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But that's the idea: is the land was stolen from someone, and they were forcibly removed, and now we go there, uh, like to the Grand Canyon, and do whatever we want and celebrate, and they're not allowed to still to this day. You know, the Havasupai and Wallapai people aren't allowed to 
to use the canyon like they've done for centuries. And that doesn't sit right with me, you know, but I don't have a, I don't, I'm, I'm not as informed as I want to be on that. But the, then I, the more, the thing I talk about more uh, recently that you're probably referring to is cattle in the wilderness and how we actually manage the wilderness. I get what you're saying though. Like what, what you're, what you're about to say is kind of tinged with this uncertainty of, of this messy situation. You know, and and I zoom out, and that's the way I look at most things. Most things are messy. People are messy. I'm messy. You know, I mean, and and so I think I, I appreciate you being like, hey, I don't don't really know a lot, but I think it's good to to talk about it and say, you know, I think this is important. I don't know enough, but I'd like to know more, and and that can be it. You know, but we that you're at least you know starting a conversation, and it's okay to not have all the answers. There's a lot of fucked up shit going on all around us. And I wish I had more answers for a lot of stuff. And, and I think yeah. that's, that's one of them, you know, it's, it, I've, I've personally been on a mission. I've read a lot of, um, not a lot. I probably read five books about, you know, the American Indian, uh, relationship, conflict, invasion, you know, um, and I've tried to educate myself on, on it to, to some extent, but, um, it's just a white man's perspective. You know, all I can do is read a book, you know, and, and, you know, it's written with someone written by white men, <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, it's, it's not a, it's not like most things in life. It's, there's not an easy answer, but I think it's important to be able to talk about it and just say, Hey, we should talk more about it or figure something out or, you know, anything, you know? Yeah, so, and here's the, I guess this is sort of related. I was drinking this Austrian soda here, apple soda. Yeah. And I we got it because my wife and my kids recently got Austrian citizenship. And they had that opportunity because her grandfather fled Nazi Germany and the Holocaust. So as like a reparation, the country of Austria has now extended citizenship to all of the descendants of these Holocaust survivors or, you know, people who perished in the Holocaust. Yeah. And they, that idea, the way that affected my family and how that, that just that, you know, simple thing, just extending the olive branch, so to speak, making, trying to make good for past wrongs. We really need to do that in this country. I think we do. We need to do, do it actively. I don't know what it looks like or how we do that, but we need to do it both to indigenous people and to African-Americans and multiple groups. You know what I mean? We've done things that are wrong. We need to make them right. And we continue to just let them be wrong. You know what I mean? We just yeah, sit in I that. Mean, we just sitting, sitting in that. And I don't think it benefits anybody. I mean, not to get too political, but my, you know, pessimistic worldview is that this fucking country is just being subjected to the will of mass corporations and money and political interest groups and lobbyists. And I don't think any of them give two fucking shits about the native Americans or other underrepresented groups. I think that it's hot topic bullshit and but but the real masters that are being served are 
the fucking corporations. And that's my, I don't have any fucking thing to back it up. But if you look at, I'm a, you shall judge them by the fruits of your labors and fuck all of them. You know, what yeah. are you actually doing? You know, I'm not impressed. And, and this kind of why I don't get onto politics and stuff too much on the show because the world is kind of a shit show in case yeah. you didn't know. Um, and I do like bikes or death to kind of be a, you know, a little bit of a reprieve and just like, <laughs> okay, we can just kind of like chill and like listen to bikes or death. And, but I don't, I don't want to ignore stuff, you know, but it is kind of, it's like, um, yeah, there's just a lot of it, you know? And so it, it can and get I, heavy, I, man. Hey, yeah, and I heavy. wasn't trying to like totally derail your podcast. No, no, people no, are just having no, no. Fun. Dude, I kept it. I, I'm the one who brought it back to it. I wanted to talk about it, you know. It's just uh, like at the end of the day, for me, it comes back to the people that built the wealth in this country and like that, you know, they gave their lives and their land and, you know, basically that their lives and their land to like create the wealth in this country don't benefit from it. But that's oh wilderness gosh. is like, that's like the, the first layer of my current interaction with wilderness like i'm not yeah. even on my own land you know yeah. there is the reality of the united states government and these being managed as public lands but there's that backstory of them being stolen lands and the people they were stolen from are continued continue to be oppressed today and that's you know that's fucked. i don't know exactly. i don't have a great answer if you wanted i could talk about cows in the wilderness that's something yeah more. let's talk about cows <laughs> don't put them in the wilderness they shouldn't be there. We need to reform the wilderness. Well, okay, Act. give me some backstory because the, the little bit that I know is that something to do with how cattle ranchers back in the early days negotiated uh, to like use the land and they would pay like grazing fees or something like that. Yeah. But now they're kind of like taking over the fucking land. Basically. I mean, it's the same, it's the same kind of stuff. There were these structures. You know, societal, like governmental structures built to protect some people and to oppress other people. And cattle ranchers or oil, whatever those people are called, oil people. (laughs) 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 Yeah, any sort of extractive industries were given preference uh, on public land. So Forest Service and BLM are both land of many uses is sort of the tagline. So it's multiple use, recreation logging, grazing, mining, that's all written into public lands and how we manage them. Uh, The Wilderness Act specifically allows cattle, despite saying something about, you know, sort of that racist underpinning of uh, untrammeled by man is how the lands are defined, you know, pristine, untrammeled by man, which that's a fucked up statement anyway. But then when you put cows on them, I'm like, cows are an exotic species introduced. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't fit with the, with the language of the, of its, of the bill that it's in. And it's, and just like, you know, effectively it, you know, reduces biodiversity. You lose a lot of riparian areas. There are a lot of negative on the ground effects that then come after that. Um, And now here we're also, we're also dealing with, Ranchers bulldozing in the wilderness, locking gates, 
So access to, to public land is an issue. Right. And the land management agencies just sort of go along with it because I'm not sure why. Um, what is the relationship there financially? Are the ranchers paying to be able to use that land? What? what yeah. Why? They, why is there? Why? Why are they there? Like they do pay. I mean, why they do pay, but they pay a greatly reduced rate. Uh, if they were to to raise the same amount of cattle on private land, it would cost twelve times as much. I think is what I read the other day. So they're paying this real small fee at a loss, basically, to the BLM. The BLM covers sort of the, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of here? Like the administrative costs of managing the land. But then you're getting the land itself is being degraded. So that that cost, they're not paying that. And we're not getting a huge benefit to society. You know what I mean? We're getting 2% of beef that we consume in the U.S. is raised on public lands. Two percent, and I don't yeah. want to discount the ranchers. I don't want to take a job from a rancher and say what you're doing isn't valuable. I would instead say to them, "What you're doing is valuable. You can stay on this land, and now you're growing biodiversity. You're, you, we want you to help this herd of pronghorn grow in numbers. We want we we'll pay you if you have X number of whatever plant it is." Yeah. We want a willow flycatcher habitat. You know, you grow yeah. that now, and the government. Yeah. Pays it's the you same for thing it. as like if you go into a city. I'm a real estate agent, so like if you go into a city and you want to build like an apartment complex, the city will be like, okay, but you also have to build a park, you have to build um, a sidewalk, you have to build, yeah. you know, you know, fire hydrants and all these other things. Like you can't just build a thing. And it, it sounds like a similar thing. It's like okay, if you want to use the land there's a cost and it goes beyond, you know, the two cents per acre that you're paying, you know, yes. there's, there's a biodiversity factor. There's a, you know, ecological impact that is needing to be accounted for. And just be neighborly. You know what I mean? Just be neighborly. Don't lock the gate and try to tell me it's your land. Uh, we had an interaction here with a woman on public land. She'd crossed a small section of private land on a county road. In her mind, it was on a county road, crossed a small section, I think in reality, crossed a small section in private back on public land. And the interaction with the rancher was essentially he assaulted her, like tried to take her bike, threatened her, and she's on public land. Like that, that's the part I don't understand. You're already getting this reduced rate. You basically have this corner of the monument to yourself. Like just, just be cool about it. We're not trying to hurt you. I tell I tell the ranchers, give us your phone number. We'll call you if we see something wrong with your fence, with your gate, if we see a sick cow, whatever. And they don't want to do that. They want to harass this woman and take her bike. So this sort of like pushed me into a get cows off public lands you know, stance. But <laughs> well, I mean, there's some good reasons anyway, for cows to be <laughs> off. This is to ask you anything. I don't know. I'm tired of asking me things what's what's harder or what's you know what either you know which was more difficult or which was more nerve-wracking because now you are the first person that has ever been a guest on the podcast and also the host of the podcast so which one is more nerve-wracking which one do you prefer i maybe it's just because i've been on twice now and i know you better but this was way easier 
just okay. asking stuff and saying stupid things. And yeah, I think being a host might be easier than being a guest. Yeah. It's way easier. Yeah. It's way easier, especially <laughs> once you, I mean, this was your first time. And, and when I retire, I can obviously just, I mean, you know, I think we found my replacement. We'll just, uh, yeah, we'll send over the paperwork. My people will call your people. But, you know, once you do it a while, it's not that hard. I mean, we're talking about bikes and, uh, you know, if you have a curious personality, it's it's not it's not too hard. But I think, you know, to circle back to the very beginning, I think, you know, there can become a level, level of comfortability with with it and you can get a little relaxed, you know, with it. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm on episode 105 now and I can, uh, maybe I'm just like a little distractor or whatever. And so I'm not as like, you know, but if you're that guest, you know, people are hankering to get on here, I guess. And, uh, people are trying to use it as a platform and promote this and promote that. And so, and I get it. I dude, I, oh, that's why I think it's good that I have this experience because it's hard to be the guest it's way harder to be the person that has to answer the questions. And, um, yeah, I don't want to sound stupid. No one yeah, wants exactly. to sound stupid. Exactly. If you this know? were my podcast, I would now immediately when we're done, I would just cut out all that stupid shit. I just said, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? So as the host, you're like, well, I can just say stupid shit and I'll just cut it out later. But as the guest, you're like, well, that's up to somebody else. And this is my one chance to sort of make this impression and have this big audience, you know, because I don't have a big audience. I can't talk to however many people this podcast reaches on a daily basis. A million so a when, day, I think. Yeah. So when I was on it, yeah, exactly. So when I was on it, I'm like, oh, man, there's all these people listening. I've got the clock is running. What do I want to say? And then I talked about rim breaks a whole bunch. and. <laughs> <laughs> hey, whatever works, man. I think uh I think the coolest thing or one cool thing about the podcast is just um is the collection of people that make it up and I think I don't know, I think the more we can learn and grow from each other the better. And so everybody that's willing to <clears throat> add their voice to the conversation and you know and bring their experiences to to this little microcosm it's just fun, man. Like you said, I really love it. I've, I've, I've made great friendships and I would consider you one of them. I mean, um, you know, I, you're like my spiritual advisor at this point. People don't know this, but I oh, call you and you, uh, read your tarot cards and, and that's how we get things done around here. You're in serious, serious trouble if I'm your spiritual <laughs> advisor. So, somebody did have a question about, you were mentioning that you love doing this. They're like, what is the hardest part? Maybe it's not about the podcast necessarily, but about doing what you love. What's the hardest? Oh, what part? is the hardest? Is uh, it takes away from other things that you love? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bike riding to be one of them. Yeah, spending time with your family. Spent, yeah, I mean that that was actually the first one that came to my mind, but I'm trying to. It was like I'll say the bike one first, but yeah, yeah. It's so weird because I'm grateful and then also it it's it, it weighs on me, you know, this whole bikes or death thing. It it weighs on me. It's a burden in a lot of ways and um I've created it and now I'm trying to figure out how to operate in it and how to how to do it and how how to make it make sense for me and everything. So, you know, I would I didn't I don't think I mentioned this yet, but I think I think one option is to kind of, 
Yeah, I'm trying to slow down a little bit in, as much as I can. You know, I think there's some things that I've been doing that I can cut out. I, there's a lot of shit. I manage like too many Instagram accounts and too much too much stuff going on. So I'm going to try to find ways to like cut out some of the stuff that maybe isn't necessary because I think, you know, the real, the real cool thing, what I really enjoy doing is, is going out, riding bikes, talking to people that ride bikes like this. I have a great time. I enjoy it. Um, and I think, I think I've, I've overwhelmed myself with a lot of the externalities that can come along and I'm, I'm an entrepreneur, you know, I've, I've been kind of on my own doing my thing for a while and I've learned how to run a business. And now I'm like, okay, you know, I don't know. Let's just, let's just slow down. You know, like what do I want it to be? And I told you this on the phone the other day. Like I always said when I started Bikes for Death that I have a job and I don't want or need another job and Bikes for Death is just for fun. You know, before anything, before I even started a podcast, I don't know. I don't think I've ever said this and I was, I wanted to mention it. The reason for all of this was simply because I was unhappy with my life. I, I was in a job and a relationship and stuff that wasn't doing anything for me, you know, like I, I, um, I don't know, you know, I just, I wasn't living this fulfilled life and I'm a person who is always trying to work and become a better person. And so I was like, what can I do? to, you know, feel better about myself. And, and the answer became this podcast. It became just talking to people and engaging. And, and I don't know, like I, I it wasn't too much more than that. It's just talking to people on bikes and uh, trying to spread this stoke, I guess, as much as I can. And I just wanted to put something good out into the world. That's what it was good into the world it didn't matter if five people listened or 5,000. I just wanted to put something out there that made me feel good because my life and everything, you know, I mean, not everything, but a lot of things in my life weren't good and weren't bringing me joy or happiness or fulfillment. And so I did this for me as an outlet to like, feel like I, I did something, you know? And so yeah, just slow down mm -hmm. and like remember that, you know. Um, I dig yeah. it. I dig it. Thanks, buddy. What about the East Texas showdown? How are you how are you feeling about that? <sighs> Blown away. Um, there's a lot of opportunity in building community. That's um, that's something I'm super stoked on, and I think to circle back to that question about. Um, offering opportunities to underrepresented groups, females, you know, everybody like I've learned some things that I, I want to do differently in the future and better. And, um, uh, yeah. And yeah, anyway, that, that's kind of like my only negative that I have right now, but the response has been stupid. I mean, how many people are, you you would be you have no idea the number of emails and messages and stuff that I get from people all the time still to this day trying to get in and bribe me and you know talk sweet to me or whatever they got to do to try to get in so um it's pretty crazy um so that's one aspect of it i am blown away and and pleased with the response um and and i i guess i would 
just address that really quickly because I do get a lot of messages. The reason why we've capped it at 100 people is because we have insurance for 100 people and we have a permit from two national forests, Sam Houston National Forest and Davy Crockett National Forest to host this event in Texas where there is extremely limited public land and cyclists aren't exactly everybody's favorite group. This is a big deal. And I care that this event is ran well. I care that it is ran according to leave no trace principles, to all rules and regulations, and that we represent the cycling community and the bikepacking community well. Because I'm trying to plant a seed here in an area where uh, we could grow a lot. There's an, a lot of opportunity for growth and the, de the demand and the interest in this event shows it. And so now it's about how can we how can we capitalize on that? How can we grow that? And, th and that's what I'm focused on doing. And so I am flattered that there are so many people that want to come and experience this event, but you know, it just is what it is. And we're going to host the most clean as a whistle event as possible. And, um, yeah, we're, we, we have a good relationship with the, uh, the national forest right now. We earned that with the first event and, um, there is value in having, you know, park forest staff and they've notified all the police services in that area and medical services. People know we're out there, you know, like we're safety and, and is a huge, huge thing for me. And so, yeah, anyway, there's a lot of friends. I have friends that are begging me, you know, like to get on. I'm like, Dude, <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm, it, nobody's getting in. It's it, it we're, we're yeah. done. You know, you're coming. I'm coming. I'm looking and yeah. What's the, what's the local, like how, what's the, like a local restaurant owner, or business owner, or just a local person. Do they know about it? How do they feel about it? Um, you talk to, got the local, the local vibe. Cause that's really what like, you're talking about. Capitalizing on it, but not just for you, no. for your whole community. Right. Yeah. For not, not for me. Um, yeah, no, uh, I will. I, that's a good question, Matt. You're an excellent host. The Bullet Grill, where we host the start and finish line, has been fucking amazing. This guy, it's just it's just a country. I mean, we're in the middle of a national forest, okay? There's no population around to speak of. And this guy, for some reason, erects this, like, um, really nice restaurant with, a, with a, a stage for live music. He does comedy out there. But make no mistake about it. These are Trump supporters. These are, you know, hardcore right wingers. I'm sure. I don't know. But I mean, that's the territory that that we're in, you know. And so it's been really cool to, you know, from the very beginning, I went in to have a meeting with the owner of this business because I wanted to base the entire thing around his, you know, establishment. And I had to like you know, explain to him what bikepacking was. And I mean, you know, I look like you, he's like, why is this homeless guy in here talking to me about bikes? And, you know, I, you know, I mean, it, it's not an easy sell. I mean, you can imagine going to a rancher and being like, no, sir, I have a right to be here. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's a different perspective, you know? And, and so it's been really fun to grow that relationship and dude, they have killed it. They've hung our banner. They've hung all of our plaques. 
They post all of our shit on Instagram. They, and, and more than like all that, they, um, so last year they let us park and camp in their, uh, in their parking lot. But since then they've cleared out, they have five acres behind the, the restaurant. So they went in and cleared all of it out. They left the trees and stuff, but they, they made it all camping area. So now we can have all 100 people camping. They bring in porta potties. They, they made a shower, an outdoor shower just for us. And, you know, it's, it's amazing, but not only that, but when we're all there and you'll see it, man, when we're all there at the bullet at, you know, at the end, when people are starting to come in, they have the dot watching going on. So you got all of us hippie, what, and I don't know, hippie. I mean, we're just, you know, all of us, uh, you know, bike packers and people that, you know, have just done this really hard thing with, with, you know, rednecks and the locals and, you know, just, you know, small town, small town, Texas folks, small town, Texas, you know, and, um, they are getting into it and they are cheering. And when, when a new, uh, racer comes into the finish line, they're running out there too. It's not just us. We're all rooting for them. It's like, it's the fucking, uh, Super Bowl, you know? And I had several people from, you know, uh, from outside the bikepacking community that were like, man, tell me more about this and how can I get on a bike? And, you know, how could I do this? You know, this one guy was like six foot six redneck guy. Like he took me aside and had tears, tears in his eyes, Matt. I'm not kidding you. He was blown away by what he saw. And he took me aside in this restaurant and was like, man, I'm not kidding, man. This really like, this touched me, this affected me. And I feel like I'm going to be a different person after this, even knowing that that's possible. That happened. Some yeah. hillbilly redneck. That's success. To me, that's a successful event. That's how you, that's how you judge it. Boom. Right and one last thing. On the flip side, we had a lot of people, I think everybody that I, that I talked to that came from outside of Texas had a completely different view or an experience than what they thought they were going to have. And it's a perfect illustration of how we're so fucking divided and we don't need to be. There's commonality and I don't have all the answers, but in this small world of bikepacking and bikepack racing, you know, we're going to do, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to try to get as many people out there riding their bike, living a more intentional a more exciting and fulfilling life and, and going outside more and, and hoping to cross some bridges and barriers along the way, you know, and, and exactly what that looks like and how, I don't know, but, uh, you know, your heart's in the right place. You, you, that's your compass. And, and that's kind of the direction I'm going to go. Uh, yeah. I don't know why I got onto exactly that tangent, but yeah. No, that's okay. Is that something you're going to tell? So like me as a participant, Am I going to be told explicitly when I show up? I think I remember telling that to people at the Danger Bird. Like, listen, this is a new thing to this area. So you're an ambassador for bikes and bikepacking. You got to be on your shit. You know what I mean? Yep. You need to be as generous and loving and compassionate with everybody you see as you can. Because you're, you know, you're in their town. Don't be a dick, basically, is sort of how people like to say it. Yeah, you're, you... Because I assume you. I'll be going in little, little country stores and little places to resupply yeah. along the way. 
so I mean, part of part of the route is I prioritized the small country town experience. I wanted to provide even Texans a opportunity to even dig a little bit deeper, you know, and go a little bit off track. It's, it's hard to do in Texas. We don't have the remote wilderness and all that. So, but you get to experience some really cool little country towns, uh, and all the people in there are just great. And you're absolutely right. My pre-race meeting sounds a lot like what I was just talking about. And I mean, I tell them that this is my backyard. I mean, this is 50 minutes away from me. This is where I recreate. This is where I, I host free bike packing events. We're planning a kid packing jamboree this Father's Day uh, weekend um, that we'll, we're going to host like outdoor educational um, programs. And I mean, it's, it's going to be really fucking cool, but that's in Davy Crockett National Forest. Like, you know, th this is my backyard and, and my speech to the people who come and participate in the East Texas showdown is that you're going to respect it. Like it's my backyard, you know, and you're going to not only respect that, but you're going to remember that you're a member of a larger community that is trying to be better and be an example, you know, or be, you know, maybe not better, but just be another example of, just being good humans. And especially when we're going through public lands that are questionable, you know, let, let's respect the land that we're crossing through and let's fucking leave it better than we found it. All those things. Yeah. I'm very passionate about all that stuff. So I will yeah, not, you have a lot of responsibility, right? I mean, when you show up for an event, yeah, I'm not fucking around whenever it comes to all that kind of stuff. Be, I mean, yeah. I do have a lot of responsibility because it is not easy to accomplish what we did. Whenever I, I teared up when we got our permitting for this, I teared up, man. I mean, it's, it's a big deal that we got this and so many racers or, uh, you know, uh, races don't get permitting and just kind of do things outlaw and whatever. And I'm not calling them out. I'm in Texas where things are the way they are. And I'm very, very proud of, Yeah. Of, of doing it kind of the right way. And I'm serious about it. You know, it, Texas has, Texas has a lo long way to go and I want to be part of the progress forward. Yeah. And I think the participants have a, a big responsibility. It's fun. And I have the privilege of getting into the event and going and doing it, but that anytime you're outside, you have a responsibility. And I think, that's what I try to remember first. Like I, Oh, I'm, I have things that I need to be doing here, not just taking care of myself. Even if I'm at mile 350 and I'm cracked and I, I want to just meet my own needs. I still have this responsibility to the community and to the people around me to be a good person. You know what I mean? That's easy to, easy to forget for some people when they're racing and they're going hard and it's about their own effort, but you can't, I, I think it's helpful to remember that, that, very important to remember. That's a good point. And the one that I would like to add to yours is not only the people who are, um, you know, going fast, but I think that to you and I, I grew up in Boy Scouts. I'm an Eagle Scout. And I was just, I mean, from a you know very young age, I was taught leave no trace principles and, and all kinds of outdoor ethics. And yeah, I mean, I know, I know you likewise are very knowledgeable about this, but 
um, part of the response that we have is to continue to educate and continue to be examples of the right way and the best way to recreate outdoors because it is a responsibility. It is a privilege and you got to be respect, respectful of it. One, because it's our duty to be respectful. It's the right thing to do, but also because it's the fucking wilderness and you need to you know, know what you're doing and, and stuff and uh, be mindful of that. So I think that there, there's just, it's, there's what about, so- what about sorry, yeah. What about the idea? So it's leave no trace. We talk about that mainly when we're out in the backcountry. I think it's true in town too. A lot of the same principles apply, but then I think there's a second thing that's sort of like, do leave a trace when you're in having interactions with people. You know what I mean? You want to leave an impact on those people. Hey, those cyclists were super generous. Oh, like when you go to a rest, you know what I mean? Like you want to leave, yes. leave them thinking we want more of that. Yes. You know what I mean? They, they, they gave us tips that were ridiculously big. Yeah. They were super nice to all the staff and help, you know what I mean? That kind of, that kind of interaction. Yes. Is a part of bikepacking and it's not a part of other forms of outdoor recreation because you tend to go out into the backcountry and then you come home and that's it. You don't encounter towns and, you know, locals along the way. Yeah. But with an event like this, you're sort of doing both. You're sort of doing that leave no trace thing. And then in town, you're like, how much love and support can I show for this little town when I'm here? Damn. You know dude. what I mean? How can I actually leave a trace on these people where they're like, man, we want more of that. That's Those are the kind of people we want to connect with and have in our town. Cause then you start building that thing where people aren't running you off the road. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, they're like, we like those people. They come in, they treat us well. You know, whenever we went to hatch New Mexico and I went ahead and ordered all of us burgers, I mean, I dropped a hundred dollars, you know, it was like a $70 tab and I gave them a, a like a $25 tip because yeah. I, I got there like last minute and I was scrambling and, and I want to leave a good impression on the people that I encounter, especially when I'm on my bike. Yeah. That is so crucial. So leave no trace. So maybe it's leave no, leave no trace, comma, comma, leave an impression. Yeah. Leave an impression. Leave an impression. You know what I mean? Cause you do want to leave an impression. I love that. Leave on, no, on God, that's Matt. You're good. Leave no trace, comma. I mean, I don't know. Leave an impression. It's actually Bronco tryhard, not Matt. <laughs> but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get. You, know, to- <laughs> you are trying hard with that Bronco shit. <laughs> yeah, that's good, man. I I really uh, I really appreciate that. And um, you had asked me what kind of uh, interactions like you might have with. Um, you know, people along the route. And and I think that they're going to be good. And um, I know because I've talked to some of them, I know that some of them really enjoyed, like at the camp host at um, Mile 120, Sam, Salmon Lake, I believe is what it's called. Really cute. I think you're going to just blow past 120, but um, you might swing in and just say hi to her because she's just a sweet lady. Um, but I mean, just couldn't be more accommodating. And, and you really run into that a lot in Texas. People are just really gracious. But yeah, sometimes in their cars, not so much. But yeah, you know, again, the most remote roads, least amount of traffic, safety was my number one thing. So you'll be fine. Yeah. All right. Don't be scared. Right. I'm not too worried. No, I'm not too worried. Nothing to be worried about. I remember when I hiked it, this is like one of the moments on the Appalachian trail that really stuck out to me. 
I was having the shittiest day and I, you know, I was as scruffy as I've ever been. And I had this pink hat on and then I was in the South. So I'm in Virginia, like Southern Virginia. And I saw some guys on a porch and I'm like, Oh man, these guys are going to give me shit. You know what I mean? I'm going by here. It's late in the evening. And there was a rebel flag flying and they had like Leonard Skinner playing or whatever. I'm like, I don't, I, I don't know that I'm going to connect with these guys. And I'm actually a little worried that they're going to like to chuck their beer bottles at me or something. You know what I mean? Um, and they didn't, they invited me up to the porch. Uh, they had like this big sword collection in the back. So I'm like more nervous than ever when they're just, and it turned out to be great. And I sat there and talked to the guys and drank a couple beers and it was really nice. And that's, I mean, I'm privileged. Other people, obviously with the rebel flag would not have gotten such a welcome. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> so that's, I'm glad I did. Yeah, that's, that's, but it was an unexpected thing and it stuck out with me. I'm like, okay, we are just people trying to get, get by, you know what I mean? And they wanted to hear my story and yeah, you know, cool, I think, but. I mean, goddamn, another outside of the scope of what I like to normally talk about, but again, back to like corporate interests, there's so much corporate and money interest in keeping people confused and polarized and angry and divisive and all these things. We're being programmed to do that. And so while we are responsible for our actions, our beliefs, our ethics, and all these things, I think that people, and myself included, are finding it harder and harder to find real leaders, you know, leaders, people you can really look to and say, I trust that person. I, I think they're telling me the truth. You know, I mean, that, like, who do you really, like, who do you point to and say, oh, this organization, this news outlet, this whatever is a leader and we can follow this person. And so with the lack of that, what do you get? You get fucking shitty leaders. I don't know if you followed that thing on Reddit, the re work reform thing where he got, went on Fox News and Anyway, he like represented. No, I didn't. Man, it was, it's just funny. You get shitty leaders is what you get. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which we have. Yeah. Yeah. We got some of those. We've had them. We got them. Uh, they're not true. They're not leading no. for real. They're just trying to reflect what they see and trying to get the, the vote. You know, it's almost like we have people running for office and that's a skill yep. that it takes to get elected. But then you have to govern and lead. And that's something very few people are interested in. You know what I mean? That because you're gonna, you're not gonna make friends with everybody. I'm not gonna make friends by saying we need to get livestock off public land. That's not gonna get me elected in southern New Mexico. I'm not running for office, by the way, and I wouldn't. But if I were, I would say I would I would say that anyway. I would say, yeah, my name is Bronco, and I don't think you should have <laughs> cows on public land. So here's a, here's another question I was talking to my buddy Ryan about: is why why are we starved for leaders? Is it that people with integrity and you know smarts or whatever are are busier being scientists and teachers and you know and doing things like that to where all we get is shitty people who want to run for office that are egotistical and want to line their own pocketbooks and do insider stock trading deals at the cost of you know whatever i mean like why is it that 
you know, someone like you. I mean, I, I believe you. I, I believe that if I was in a political office, I would be like, oh my gosh, we've got so much work to do. <laughs> and at least, I don't know, <laughs> pick one thing and like fucking take a stand or it's like, you got one term. It's like how I feel about the podcast. I mean, this is a responsibility, you know? It's like, I got one chance and I'm I'm trying to do my best and I make mistakes, but I feel like I would do the same thing if I was a politician. I would be like, I want to represent yeah. myself well. I want to leave this thing. This is an opportunity to make a difference. And I want my family yeah. to be able to like, dude, look at what Patrick did when he was in office. Can you believe that fucking Patrick? That guy did that? Yeah. But instead we yeah, got- Yeah, you run for office because you have, a, you have a vision of a better community. Yeah. And I don't think that's why people run. But there are people like that. We've got some city councilors here and a state rep who's on our board for the Monumental Loop. She's fantastic. Yeah. And she leads like that. Yeah. Like true leadership. Like Who is this, this is the what name? is right. Angelica Rubio. And she fights for what she thinks is right. Not what somebody tells her is right. Not what the, you know, the correct thing of the day is. She's like, this is what's right. Right. For the people of my district. That's good. And we have city councilors like that That's too. Good. And there are, there are some, but it's harder for them than to, you know, maybe to get to a, a national level because they're honest and they're not, they're not marketable and they're, they can't yeah. be bought. Who is paying? So you talked about getting elected is a skill. It's a skill, but it's a business, right? So getting elected yeah. means campaigning. It means, uh, politicking to all these different interests so that they can max out their packs to give you money so that when you get in office, you can do them favors, Boom. I mean, what, you know, that eliminates, <laughs> that eliminates good people who can't be bought. Like if you and I go there and some fucking Joe oil comes up and says, listen, what we're going to do is you're going to get in there and we're going to wipe out beers airs and we're going to just fucking mine the shit out of it. And all you got to do is sign on the dotted line and you and yeah. I are going to kick that guy in the fucking balls and tell him to go take a hike. I think we know why there's no good people in politics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we've settled. And and I think we know why you normally don't talk about politics on your show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because it's too easy. It's too easy to get heated. Whew. You know what I mean? And just like, you want it to be a space where we don't do that. So that's you it. can cut cut anything you want here. I mean, I don't a, know. I, I might, won't be upset. I might leave it because I I'm think... Glad we're, I'm glad we're just having this discussion. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you don't think your listeners want to hear it. I think I think it's good because I think um I I had a I was interviewed recently by this uh masters of journalism student and he was asking me all these questions and one of the things that he asked me about was specifically this like why don't co cover more controversial uh stuff and so I, I think it's worth mentioning because I think other people might not realize this but I have intentionally wanted it to be a space free from negativity and drama and you know all of the all of the woes because there's a lot of woes my life is difficult yeah. i don't bring all of my personal shit into the podcast y'all don't hear all of it i don't bring all the stuff from outside the world and bring it on here i, I want it to be a, a a vacation from your problems you know i mean i think it's okay to to do that um and and uh you know yeah i i feel like all the other stuff is it's just, I don't know. It's out there everywhere. It's just everywhere. I, I agree with you. 
it's it's you're exactly right. You say you're like, and now we know why you don't do it. Because I, yeah. I, I could, I could, we could sit here for the end of fucking time. And I, and, yeah. and there's, I said this on this other podcast too, the one I did with the journalism guy is, you know, I, um, bikes or death is limiting. I, I do have the desire to start another podcast. I can't right now, but maybe one future me, but I, I would love to talk about some other things. I would like to learn. I live in a university town. I'd love to go and talk to some of these professors and, see what's going on in the world, you know? I mean, I think there's a lot to talk about, um, and I'm interested in that stuff. But for me, Bikes or Death just isn't, isn't where I do it, you know? It's, it's, just, yeah, it's just bikes. Yeah. 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 Try and I, and I don't do it. I mean, I have places like that in my life and put friendships and relationships that aren't, you know, let's try to solve societal ills. Let's just hang out and ride bikes, you know? So I get it. Yeah. Someone actually, you didn't ask me about the one where they said that I have an empath. I'm very empathetic. And I did hear that. Yeah, I saw that one. I didn't ask about it, but I didn't well, even. What do you say about it? I didn't even know what empathetic meant, so I had to Google it. But it means for anybody else who doesn't know that I'm like, I guess, really understanding, and I, um, yeah, I really kind of feel what the other person is like going through or, or whatever. I, um, yeah. So, I mean, that was a a really nice compliment. And I think it comes from, I'm, I am a very humble person. I, I joke around a lot. I have a, I have a bold personality in some ways. I know that, you know, but on, on the inside, I'm, I'm a teddy bear. I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm humble. And it comes from being wrong a lot. You know, I spent, I don't know. I, I always, but I've just, I've done, I've just been wrong a lot. I think people are wrong a lot. Scientists are wrong a lot. You know I mean? It's like, so I, I don't, I don't want to be, uh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe that doesn't even answer why I'm empathetic actually now that I'm thinking about it. I don't know if that really answers. I mean, I think some people just are and some people aren't. Yeah. I, I care. Life it's like I say, I care though. Like I really, I, whenever I talk to somebody, it's probably why I can go in with, you know, blind usually and kind of just talk to them. I mean, we're not scripted right now, but I generally am enjoying talking to you and I'm wanting to hear what you want to say. And, um, and so it's a nice compliment. I'm very glad that I can be empathetic to people because I feel like I am empathetic. I, I feel like I'm empathetic to animals. I mean, I'm very, I mean, I don't know. I have long debate or not debates, conversations about, you know, our impact in the natural world and the real world. Um, you know, I, I, I care about a lot of stuff. Um, and yeah. I, I want to be a good person. You know, I'm trying, I've, I've spent a lot of my life kind of, you know, fucking around and doing stupid shit. And I've like set a course of trying to be a better person. I'm still on that journey. You know, I'm still trying to figure out exactly what that is. And yeah, I'm on the road to glory. <laughs> I think my, my phone is about to die. I've got it. Good. Few, because, uh, I, I legitimately have to stay up until whatever time to pack. Yeah. For Big yeah. Ben, so right. well, we should wrap it up then. Yeah. What now? Do you at the end now say, "Do I get ask you to say go ride your damn bike?" Is that what happens? The guest is supposed to say at the end because you ask Shell, you're like, "Hey, Shell, can you give me a go ride your damn bike?" Yeah. But how many other times have you heard that? 
only one. Exactly. That's the only one. And so you're drawing <laughs> on that one thing. So what normally happens is as the host, you would say, This is Bronco Tryhards. Thanks for listening. Now go ride your damn bike. Boom. Like that. We load up the bikes. We ride away from home. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> Nobody keeps their tent in their living room, though. That's the part that always gets me up. You left your tent on the living room shelf. Yeah. I don't keep my tent in I, the living room. Is that a Canadian thing, you think? Keeping your tent, keeping your gear in the living yeah. room? Yeah. So Canadian of him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, man. I, I, uh, before we get off, uh, I want to genuinely thank you for offering for anybody, you know, you offered to, uh, to do this, to host the podcast, obviously, um, like you said, it's super easy. So no sweat off your back, but, uh, it helped me out a lot because the idea of just talking into a microphone, answering these questions, it actually would have really sucked. And, it was one of those things where I put it out, hit 10K on Instagram, and I'd seen other people do an AMA. And so I was like, I guess I'll do that. And um, and then once all the questions started coming in, I was like, fuck, now I gotta like answer all these <laughs> questions, you know, to myself. And it's just not as much fun. So thank you for hosting today's episode of the Bikes for Death podcast. I don't totally regret it. It was pretty fun. Sweet. All right. Good night. All right. Talk to you later. Have a good trip, dude. Happy birthday. All right. Thanks, buddy. Wish you were going. Me too. All right. See you. Bye. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. A big shout out to Bronco Tryhard again for coming on and and hosting today's episode. Uh, I hope everybody enjoyed it. And, um, you know, I'll be honest that, that sometimes podcasting is hard. You know, it is hard to try to be very authentic, very honest, very open um, as much as possible, you know, in a, in, in a, what I would consider a short, a short podcast. I mean, there's, you know, we all have a lot going on and, and I don't think Bikes for Death is always the exact format to bring everything into the podcast, but I do try to uh, lead with my heart and be an example of uh, just j- just being a real person who makes mistakes and is willing to own up to them and, and, and talk about them. And, you know, releasing this episode was not easy. I don't want people to think that, oh, Patrick is just, he's just good at this. And, you know, what, I don't know what people think exactly, but, you know, this is hard. It is hard to put yourself out there and to discuss ideas and, I mean, all kinds of stuff. You're just opening yourself up to uh, opinions and and people's thoughts, and uh, and I hear them, and uh, it's not it's not always easy, but it's something that I do uh, believe in. I think it's important, and I think uh, I've always wanted bikes for death to be an authentic representation of myself and hopefully my guest and you know not to overproduce a show just for entertainment purposes or for getting likes or followers or whatever you know I just want to um, continue to find ways to to deliver um, episodes that resonate with me and hopefully if if I'm feeling it then y'all will feel it too. So thanks everybody for for being on this journey with me. It really is a journey, and as I mentioned, I am I'm still trying to figure out to, how to be a better person. I'm a work in progress, and I'm I'm totally fine taking you all along for the ride. But I do appreciate you being here. I do appreciate all the support, and um, 
I don't know, man. Let's just see where this thing goes. I'm, I'm, this last couple of weeks has been a, a really good uh, time for me to reflect on, like I said in the episode, my relationship with Bikes for Death. And um, I, I am going through my own going pr- pains with it and trying to figure out, you know, what a healthy relationship looks like um, with Bikes for Death, considering I have another full time job and I'm a single stay at home dad and I have two daughters that um, that are obviously really important to me. And so, you know, as with anything in life, we it's important that we find the balance. And Bikes for Death has just kind of grown. And yes, I've had a hand in that. But um, uh, yeah, it's still, uh, you know, I've never been in this position before. I've never hosted a podcast. I've never had this many people following or being interested in whether it's me or my guest or the podcast. You know, um, there's a lot of eyeballs, a lot of ears on the podcast. And, you know, I've never, I've never been in a situation like that. So I am very much learning how to manage the podcast, learn how to be a podcast host while also maintaining all the other things going on in my life. And so I really do appreciate everybody who's just willing to stick in there with me and uh, and be along for the journey. And, um, you know, we'll see where it goes, but uh, it has been an awesome ride. I'm so grateful that um, I've been able to to reach so many people all over the world with stories of bikepacking, the outdoors, but more importantly, the people. What I always said in the beginning, what did I always say? I said, this is a podcast that talks about uh, bikepacking, adventuring, and the cool people who participate. And it really is about the people. And I think we can learn so much from each other. And I love getting to meet people in the community and learn from you and grow from you. And hopefully, the more conversations we have, we as a collective uh, unit can can all be better. We can all learn and we can all understand that we're all on a journey together and nobody's perfect. Nobody has it 100% figured out. And uh, we're always uh, a work in progress. So, yeah, it's an absolute honor to be in this position. And as much as it is a, a challenging relationship that I have with Bikes for Death sometimes. It is a relationship that I value and I want to keep doing. So, uh, all right, well, that's enough. Y'all have listened to probably about two and a half hours of me talking. So uh, let's cut this one off, eh? But I do appreciate it. And uh, I think that's it for me. Why don't we have Bronco Tryhard close out today's episode? This is Bronco Tryhard. Thanks for listening. Now go ride your damn bike. It was the middle of the night. You grabbed your knife and you held it tight. The sounds of beasts kept you awake. The sounds they made kept you afraid. In the morning, you packed your bike. Memories forgotten from the previous night. You rode faster than ever before. Was it your imagination? Merely folklore. Fear turned into strength as you pushed further. Every pedal stroke stronger and firmer. Your bike feels weightless. Your legs aren't tired. You think to yourself, just a few more miles. Bikes for death. Bikes for death.